Hello, welcome to Osmore Gamer. I'm your host, Rob. If you are watching this YouTube video or listening to this podcast, then I am live with the Twitch chat, and we are about to walk through and talk through the new Seraphon Battletone, which has been released in 2023. Now, the pictures that I'm going to show you, and here's an example now, uh, here, um, are photos, or as we call them, potato photos, uh, and they are of the book that's about to be put on pre-order this weekend and therefore it's technically a leak but every element of this book has been photographed and put into uh, order and we're going to break through all of it and talk through all of it hopefully in a way that makes sense to you and you can learn a lot and hopefully enjoy this review if you do like it then obviously please do like and subscribe and also you could support me by joining patreon there's the there's the pitch before i speak to you probably for the next two hours about dinosaurs and whether chairs are real because there's a and bites and all other things uh so thank you to obi watts for donating five pounds saying hello to youtube so the twitch chat who are joining me right here you can see them here uh they're all really excited that you're watching this so that's really fun so do leave some comments because they do love it okay we're going to talk about the battle traits Really quickly, if you build a Seraphon army, there are two main ways that you can play this army, or two ways only. There's Coalesced, and the narrative for this is that they're dinosaurs, definitely, and they're ruled by magical frog people, or specifically Lord Groke, but we'll get onto that in a bit. But they're magical frog people, but there's either dinosaurs that live in space, that are thought demons, or there are dinosaurs that are more like just live on the ground kind of your working class dinosaur who are spawned in pools and other things like that uh, and so those are the ones we're going to look at first or the coalesced as they uh, as they say uh, so the coalesced constellation so what this is so you're either going to play coalesced which is this or starborn which is the other one that's the the thought demons who live in a spaceship more on those later uh, and if you do play coalesced there are two sub factions that you get to pick as well so when you do pick coalesced all of your units in the coalesced will get these rules if i say that they can get the rules that makes sense you probably know how battle traits work but it's worth just explaining it again um so you basically you start the game by saying i'm gonna have a coalesced army then you start writing your list that's how you start writing your list easy okay so what rules do you get if you're running a coalesced army okay first one uh you also get to pick a sub faction cottle's claw or thunder lizard we'll talk about those in a minute but uh for doesn't matter which one of those two you pick if you're playing coalesced you get predatory fighters which is add one to bite rolls made for coalesced saurus and coalesced croxagore units with the mighty Saurus Jaws, Saurus Jaws, or Vice-like Jaws ability. Now, there's some really important things to talk about here, because you're going to look at this and you're going to think, oh, Rob, okay, so it's only going to affect Croxagor or Saurus, as in the 10-man or 10-dinosaur unit of Saurus. Actually, it's the Saurus keyword. So if you take the new Saurus that are riding on dinosaurs or Saurus on Carnosaur, then that's also going to apply to them if they have the mighty Saurus Jaws, Saurus Jaws, or Vice Light Jaws ability, which they don't, because basically all of the mounted units don't have it, which I know is weird. So what you'll have is you'll have a, an old blood on foot, or like a Saurus on blood on foot, or like a carriage on foot. They'll definitely have that ability, but the Saurus on Carnosaur won't have that ability. So no bites for you. But it'll say on their war scroll, basically, which one it is. And the ones that it definitely affects are Croxagore, uh, Saurus Warriors and then the Saurus Heroes on foot are the ones that it definitely... Oh, and also Saurus Guard. Those are the ones it applies to, which is good. They do mortal wounds on sixes for each model in the unit. That's incredibly complicated. Okay, you've got a unit of 10 Saurus Warriors. 
perfect. At the end of the combat phase, each one of those models in that unit that's within one inch of an enemy unit, and let's say it's all ten, get to roll a dice. On a sixes, they do mortal wound. That's the jaw attack. Predatory fighters makes it happen on a five. That's what that does. And then if you're near your Realm Shaper engine, it's going to happen on fours. Super easy. No problem. It's not a massive buff, but it kind of is in the right situation, which we'll talk about at the end. Um, and then we've got Scaly Skin. Okay, subtract one from the damage inflicted to... Um, uh, in, subtract one from the damage inflicted to a minimum of one for each successful attack that targets a friendly coalesced unit. That's a Saurus, Croxagore, or Monster Keyword. Now, unlike uh, the previous ability, this will affect all of the Saurus units. So this will affect the Saurus on Scarver, this will affect uh, the Saurus... Um, sorry, the Saurus on Carnosaur, this will affect the Saurus Scarver on his new mount. Um, so Scaly Skin is actually incredibly good. So this is a massive defensive buff, which when you read the war scrolls and the points won't make won't make it look like it's really, really good. I don't know if it's as good as a five up ward save, which a lot of the other armies are getting, but it's definitely very, very good. But it's obviously worse into one damage weapons. So if there's a bunch of damage two out there in the world in the game at the moment, then this is incredible. But if everyone's just doing damage one, then it's not as good. Um, it have, and it only affects your Saurus, Croxagora monster. So you're not going to take Skinks in this, and it's not going to help your Slan out, but it is going to help those. So what you're really seeing here is that they want you to collect Saurus in this army, or they want you to collect Croxagora in this army, basically. Um, so pretty good. That's a great damage reduction. Uh, and then you've got the Beasts of the Dark Jungles. So these are monstrous actions which happen at the kind of start of the combat phase, done by a monster. Each monster is able to do a monstrous action. You can't do the same monstrous action more than once. Um, and there are like some simple ones. Raw it happens on a three up, means you can't issue or receive a command ability, which is bro, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely great. That's probably the most effective one because of economies of scale. But the stomp is really nice. Don't hate that, that's pretty good as well. This introduces more monstrous actions that you can do, but only for specific units. So you've got one for a Carnosaur, a Stegodon, a Troglodon, and a Bastilodon, which is pretty good. So the Carnosaur is Gargantuan Jaws. Only Carnosaur can carry out this monstrous rampage. Pick one enemy model within three inches of this unit and roll a dice. If the roll is greater than the model's wounds characteristic, it's slain. Now, you obviously want to try and just eat a monster like a hero that's got five wounds and roll a six. Amazing. But a really cheap and effective way of using this is picking out command units in uh, enemy units. So like a command model, sorry, in enemy units. So either the champion in a unit or the musician or the banner bearer that does something really useful to the, to the unit. Uh, the wizard out of a unit as well is really nice if you get to do that. So that's actually quite a good one and I quite like that. Um, uh, then you've got, but the Carnosaur itself, when we get to the Carnosaur, is pretty mid, so you might not take that. Then you've got the Earthshaking Charge, only a Stegodon, hello, uh, that has made, and don't forget that st keyword Stegodon, so that's also going to apply to the Skink Chief on Stegodon, and also the Engine of the Gods, that has made a charge move in the same phase, can carry out this monstrous rampage. Pick one enemy unit within range, on a 4+, the Strike last effect applies this is pretty good because striking last is really positive in a combat orientated army um but it's on a four plus so it's really unreliable so it's not a worth taking a stegodon just to make strike last happen then you got odious raw Ooh. only troglodons can carry out this monstrous rampage and the only troglodon you can take is a skink oracle on a troglodon 
Um, more on him later, but you might see him in quite a lot of lists because his ability to cast spells through him. Um, on a 2+, at the end of the following combat phase, uh, the range of this unit's death stench is 12 inches, not 9 inches. So this is any units within 9 inches are minus 1 to hit, but you can push this up to be 12 inches, and it's not units wholly within, it's just a unit within 9 inches. So that means you don't have to have, it's not the model, it's the unit, so that's wicked. So a minus 1 to hit aura uh, coming from like a big monster is quite good, especially that m monster, because all of these monsters are going to be minus 1 damage thanks to scaly skin. And then finally you've got bludgeoning sweep. Only a Bastilladon can carry out this monster's rampage. You pick one enemy within three inches of this unit, and it's not a monster, and you roll a dice. The roll is less than the number of models in the enemy unit. Therefore, uh, you can't do this to one uh, a unit with only one model, because you can never roll less than a one. So if you were to pick a unit of ten, you'd roll a dice. If you roll a five, you'll do five mortal wounds. If you roll a two, you'll do two mortal wounds. Super simple. Um, really easy. So uh, the monstrous rampages are kind of okay. They're not a big deal. The best monstrous rampage probably in the game is the stone frostal and stone horns ability, or just the stone horns ability to run around and do stuff. It's probably the best one. Uh, but this is pretty interesting. This troglodon one's really nice, probably because you'll see him a lot. Um, and I really like the bludgeoning sweep on the bastilodon, mainly because we want to take four bastilodons later. That'd be quite fun. So, the two sub-factions that you can take are Cottle's Claw and Thunder Lizard. So, what do they do? Well, Cottle's Claw adds one to the wound rolls for attacks made by melee weapons by friendly Cottle Claw Saurus or Croxigore units that have made a charge move in the same turn. This is good. No, not good. This is great. Because this is an economy of scale on every unit in your army because you're running Cottle's Claw. And then, as long as you don't be silly and take Skinks... Uh, this is going to affect most of your units. So it's a massive buff. Most of your units wound on a three. So this means you're now going to be wounded on twos. And then with things like all-out attack, this means you're probably, on some profiles, going to be on twos and twos, which is incredibly effective and efficient. So, But this is only going to happen on the charge. So that's something to be conscious of. But when we get to like command traits later, you'll see that we're going to be able to get charging easier in this army. So Cottle Claws is my preferred one. Thunder Lizard. What you get is the Mighty Beast of War. And at the end of the charge phase, you can carry out two monstrous rampages with each friendly Thunder Lizard monster instead of one. Now, I personally don't think this one's particularly great um, because the monstrous rampages are just not very, very effective. So this probably wouldn't be one I take. The other things are Cottle's Claw, you get the Croxagores being battle line, which is very, very good because that means normally you can only reinforce a unit from uh, its minimum size so like three to six reinforce once but battle line units can be reinforced twice so you can take it from three to nine so then you can have a big beefy unit of croxagore which is quite cool with thunder lizard you can have stegodons as battle line and stegodons are pretty fun they're quite interesting um i wouldn't say that it's really worth having them as battle line they're not the same as stonehorn beast riders which we see from ogre more tribes which are very good as battle line but uh, my preference is Cottle's Claw, mainly because lots of the buffs in the book are going to apply to the Saurus and the Croxagore a lot, and almost none of them are going to be uh, buffing the monsters. The monsters don't really get any buffs in the book, whereas all of the buffs apply to Saurus or Croxagore. So just take the Croxagore, basically, or take the Saurus. That's the longest short of it. So those are the sub-factions. The next part is the the uh, command traits so when you pick a general in your army and you can only pick one general in most cases 
uh, when you pick a general, they're allowed to have a command trait. Uh, so you have one command trait and it affects all the units in your army or it affects that general, basically, uh, depending on what the command trait is. The first ones, the Lords of the Temple Cities, are only going to apply to Slan. There's only one Slan that you can take. Lord Croak is a special character who can't be given a command trait, so it's just going to be on the generic Slan, as they say. So what do you get? Okay, and the Slan, just as kind of quick TLDR, is a like frog wizard whose main job is as a, is as a support caster, not as a fighter in any way. Um, so this is that's what it's going to be on. So you're not going to be looking for like a combat buff, really, on a Slan. So you've got the Wrath of Eons. That's the first command trait. Once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can say this general will rouse the Wrath of the Seraphon. If you do so, until the end of the phase, add one to the attack's characteristic of melee weapons used by friendly Saurus and Croxagor units where they're wholly within 12 inches of this unit. Now, this is kind of the first indication that you're going to get that specifically this book, or this part of this book, is geared very heavily towards Saurus and Croxagor. This could have been bonuses to monsters as well because this is kind of like the the monster slash saurus subfaction but they didn't give you that so that's going to be a good indication that we're always going saurus and croxagore along this line or saurus keyword sorry and croxagore and as a buff it's actually pretty good plus one attack is really nice obviously you would like it to not just be once per battle which normally makes an artifact something i don't really want to take but in the right situation like we would call it like a pivot moment in a game you would take a very buffed up unit let's say nine croxagore as an example uh, and then if you give them all plus one attack then you would really stack how many attacks they're going to have for that individual fight so if you were looking to take down an incredibly tough target like let's say archeon is a really good example then what you would want to do is at that moment ping off all of the abilities to absolutely nuke something really good especially into um, into really good especially into armies with really good recursion so like obr who can heal a lot of models back so might not be perfect in all situations but it's actually really effective if you think about the timing and you think about having this one big massive smash turn so kind of okay i quite like that one personally uh, but it is once per battle. So there we go. Custodian of the Divine Technology is quite fun. You pick two artifacts from the Treasures of the Temple Cities, which is on the next page. We'll talk about those in a minute. And these are not the same as the free artifact you get in your army. You normally get a free artifact, one artifact in your army. This now lets you have two more on one unit, which is pretty cool. So I like that. That's very fun. Um, and then you've got Master of the Material Plane, the general knows two extra spells from the Law of Ancient Domains. Now the Slan, even though the Slan's entire background is that he's a wizard who contemplates the nature of the universe and sits in a throne and is just a magical being, for some reason isn't a lore master. Um, so needs to take some lessons from the OBR wizards. And this allows you to know two extra spells from the spell law normally when you have a wizard you take one spell from the spell law per wizard you have and it's written on that uh, on that wizard's profile so if you've got a slan he'll know a spell that's it if you have another slan, they'll know another spell and they can only cast that spell that they've chosen from the spell law but this lets you know two extras which is good and we like that uh, then dominate in mind once per turn at the start of your hero phase you can pick one friendly coalesce monster unit on the battlefield and say that it will have its mind dominated by this general <laughs> if you do so you roll a dice on a two plus you add one to wound rolls for attacks made by melee weapons by that unit until the start of the phase if that unit is already has got already got a rider yeah there's already got a rider um then it only affects the uh, the the unit's mount and not the man himself. 
So this is for your, like, I would say fairly classic monster pegging situation. Uh, this is plus one to wound. It happens on a two plus, but it is once per turn. I don't overly love this, so I wouldn't take this if I were you. But it, it's, I mean, ultimately, you get to look your opponent in the eye and tell them you're about to dominate your own dinosaur, right? So, I mean, that's fun. Anyway, uh, now, so those are the command traits for the slam. The command traits for the Saurus are Prime War Beast, which is unit with a mount only, and you get to add one to the attacks characteristic of the weapons used by the General's mount, which, if... It's pretty good. Yeah, plus one attack. Uh, it's pretty nice. Uh, you've got um, the Thick Scaly Hide, add one to save rolls for attacks that target this General, which is okay. Uh, but that's none of these are as good as the Vengeful Defender, which is the real one. That you're gonna uh, you're gonna love at the start of your hero phase. If this general is wholly uh, within your territory, you pick this general and up to two other friendly Saurus or Croxagore units wholly within 12 inches of this general, and each make a normal move. Now this is fantastic because this means turn one in the game you can take one of your units and you can move them in the hero phase and then move them in the movement phase. And this is going to be really effective as there's also like a run and charge spell, which we'll get to in a bit as well. So this means you can move Saurus 10 inches, uh, which is quite nice. And if they do run and charge, it's going to be 16 inches and in charge. Um, uh, Croxagore, I think this means they're going to move they're going to move 10 inches as well. And again, with a run and charge, the Slan has got an ability to make units fly. Um, so then they can move twice, run, charge, fly and charge. Uh, so you can you can do some really fun stuff with that. Uh, and again, like I spoke about before, this only affects Saurus and Croxagore. So pretty good. Um, uh, so those are the those are the command traits and the artifacts. Next up are the artifacts. So your heroes can take artifacts. You normally get one for free in your army. So what do you get? Treasures of the temple cities. So for a slan, you get the throne of the lost gods. This does not give him legs, which makes him a lore master, unfortunately. But what it does do, it adds four inches to the bearer's move characteristic and plus one to the bearer's wounds characteristic. Now, there's some positives. Plus movement is always great in the game. However, the plus one to wound takes it from nine wounds to ten wounds, which means he's no longer a galley champ in the current GHB. Um, but also means that he doesn't interact with Wildwoods particularly well. Uh, so it's actually generally a negative, that one, so I wouldn't probably take the Throne of the Lost Gods. Crystalline Skull is quite a cool and unique uh, artifact because you can actually model it on the new Slan model, which is quite cool. The bearer starts with a power reserve of zero. Yeah? Each time the bearer successfully casts a spell that is not unbound, increase the bearer's power reserve by one. Once per battle, in your hero phase, you can say the bearer will shatter the Crystalline Skull. And if you do so, you pick one enemy unit within range, uh, well, within 12 inches of the bearer and roll a number of dice equal to the power reserve. For each three plus, the unit suffers a mortal wound not very good like you got to cast a lot of spells like it caps out at an incredibly low value not good but very fun to have a crystal goblet that you just keep filling up with little like trinkets so maybe quite fun uh the ixty grubs is pretty good which is at the start of the hero phase you can heal one wound allocated to the bearer we like that in addition in your hero phase you can reroll one casting roll or one dispelling roll for the bearer and in the enemy hero phase you can reroll one unbinding roll for the bearer Okay, this is pretty good. Uh, this is like the Master of Magic command trait uh, that you can take 
which is good, but it has an additional value in that you get to heal one wound as well. So that's really positive. Um, if you're going to go for a lot of spell casting, I'd probably take Chronomantic Cogs because you've got so many spells that you cast in this army that the 70 points is worth it, which is the endless spell which lets you reroll cast spells. But like, it's pretty good. Like, it's legit. I would. Like, I think that's a pretty good one. Then you've got Cottle Familiar. Once per battle at the start of your hero phase, you can say the bearer will be blessed by Tepok. If you do so, the bearer can attempt to cast one additional spell in that hero phase, and that spell can be any spell from the lore of ancient domains. Um, this is okay, but XD Grubs is just better, so I'm not going to take that. So it's just that easy. If you're running a Saurus, you can take some artifacts. You get Sotex Gaze. Enemy models with wounds characteristic of one or two cannot contest objectives while within six inches of the bearer. This is awesome. Really good. Shut down your opponent's ability to score is very good. It's models though, so that's a bit challenging uh, because it's only models within six inches. But you might be able to make it so loads of the enemy can't contest objectives and you can contest them instead without ever having to fight them, which is a massive positive so that's that's a good one in my opinion you got the blood rage pendant which is add one to the attacks characteristic of the bearer's melee weapons if the number of wounds allocated to the bearer is equal to the, or greater than half of the bearer's wounds characteristics add two instead which is kind of okay you can make like a fighty character but personally that's not one i, I overly like and then you've got the Blade of Realities. Pick one of the bearer's belly weapons, improve the Ren characteristic of that weapon by one. In addition, add one to the damage inflicted by each successful attack made with that weapon that targets a hero. The real question is, with the Blood Rage Pendant or the Blade of Realities, is can you build an incredibly fighty, damage-dealing melee character out of the Saurus in this section of the book? And the answer is, having run the numbers a little bit, I don't think so. Not as scary or fighty as, let's say, a Frostal and Stonehorn, which is probably a comparison. You could definitely make something, but I don't think you can make it as much. So I'd probably be more interested in the Sotex case, my opinion. Now we get to the spell law. And again, this is the spell law that only applies to these sub-factions. So we've got the Earth Trembles. The Earth Trembles is a spell that has a casting value of 8. And if successfully cast, pick one corner of the battlefield and draw a straight line between the corner and the closest part of the caster's base. Roll a dice for each enemy unit passed across by that line. And a 4+, plus, the unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. This is incredibly good if you get the right setup. It's just kind of like if you get the perfect shot where you can just line up all the units in one big go. This is really, really effective. As we know, or as we get to when we talk about Lord Croak, who's one of the Slan Wizards, the name character, he does a lot of AoE mortal wound damage. This is another way to add additional mortal wound damage at range to loads of different units, which is very, very good. So I actually like the Earth Tremble spell. The big problem with it is cast on an 8, which is going to be real tough. So um, that's a great spell. You've got the Empowered Celestite, uh, which is really good. It's cast on 7 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, you pick one friendly Saurus uh, unit wholly within range uh, and visible to the caster. Until the start of the next hero phase, improve the Ren characteristic of that unit. Celestite weapons by one. A Celestite weapon is any weapon that has a Celestite in its name. So this is what we call an economies of scale spell. So what you want to do is you want to put this on a unit that's got as many attacks as possible. You can improve the Ren or improve just one single really good weapon. So there are some good weapons on like the old bloods on carnosaurs, uh, but it's only going to affect them and not affect the mount. Probably the best one this is on, in my opinion, is on Saurus Warriors. Because they've already got Ren 1, which is great. Taking them up to Ren 2, which is genuinely magnificent for a battle line unit. So that's a great spell, and I imagine it's a spell you're going to see a lot. So yeah, that's a very good one, especially for running lots of Saurus. 
Um, I really like that one a lot. It doesn't work on Croxigore, so this is kind of like the, like, oh, it's, it literally says Saurus unit anyway, so there you go. Then you've got Drain Magic, which is spell as a casting value of six. If successfully cast until the end of the phase, add one to the dispelling rolls made by friendly units and subtract one from unbinding rolls for enemy units. Um, pretty good. Pretty good, Drain Magic. It's not bad if you want to try and shut down enemy mu uh, magic phase, but you're going to be constantly buffing up your Saurus, so probably not have Drain Magic. Your Itzel's Invigoration, which is cast on a 6 and a range of 12 inches. If successfully cast, pick one friendly monster wholly within range and visible to the caster. Till the start of your next hero phase, use the top row of that unit's damage table, regardless of how many wounds it suffered. That one's okay. That one's okay. Um, like, not, not, not terrible, not great. I'm not too bothered about that, to be honest, because I maybe don't want to run a lot of monsters in this particular version but in the right setting that's definitely a spell but you would have to plan for your monster to take wounds to take this spell to then cast this spell so i probably am not going to use that very often or i'm not going to pick it very often anyway and then finally telepathic summons this is a great spell and is probably going to get faq'd so i'm going to tell you what it will do and then you're going to need to make sure you check out um you need to make sure you check out uh, the community side, Warhammer community, for the FAQ, because it's definitely going to come for this. Telepathic Summon is cast on a 6 and a range of 9 inches. This is like the spicy bit. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Saurus unit that is not a monster and that is visible to the caster. Remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up again on the battlefield, wholly within range of the caster. So that's wholly within 9 inches of the caster. Now, when we get to it, the Saurus Astroloth Banner Bearer adds 6 inches to range to the spell of all spells. So that's going to take that to 15 inches. The problem with this spell, the problem with this spell, is that it doesn't stipulate that you have to be outside of 9 inches from the enemy. In fact, it doesn't even stipulate you have to be outside of 3 inches from the enemy. So what you could do, if the enemy was close enough, is pick up your unit from somewhere on the board and then teleport them right in front of the enemy. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, and then um, put them straight into combat. Or, because you don't have to be nine inches away, put them very close to the enemy, then they can move uh, in the following movement phase and then charge. So you can get an incredibly strong unit and then just teleport them right in front of your enemy and then get a big guaranteed charge, which is really, really good. Um, I would expect that to get FAQ'd because almost all of teleports like this are FAQ'd to be outside of nine inches. And it's pretty crazy that that one isn't set up. So that one to get FAQ'd, but if it doesn't get FAQ'd, crazy good. Crazy good. Um, but it only works on, uh, it only works on Saurus. Uh, then we've got uh, spells that you can pick for your Skink Wizards. Don't forget those spells are only spells that you can pick on Slants. So the spells for your Skink Wizards are the Light of Chotek. Uh, cast on 7 and a range of 12 inches. So, uh, you pick a friendly Seraphon model, wholly within range and visible to the caster. Roll a number of dice equal to the number of wounds allocated to it. Each 5 plus you heal one. This is quite a fun little healing mechanic instead of just being D3. The more wounded you are, the more likely you, to, you are to heal more, which is quite good. Um, so it's okay. Uh, you got Heavenly Frenzy. Now this is very good. It's a spell that has a casting value of 7 and a range of 18 inches. If successfully cast, pick a friendly Seraphon unit, wholly within range and visible to the caster until the end of the turn. That unit can run and still charge amazing amazing now don't forget there is a cp or a command ability sorry that you can use uh, a generic one that everyone can use that lets you 
pick the result of the run roll as being a six. So this is effectively plus six inch movement as a spell on a unit. And you do it in the hero phase before you ever decide to do that. So you know whether or not it's going to happen. So it's just an incredibly good spell. Run the charge, very good. It means that your cavalry units are going to be much faster. It's on Seraphon as well. So you can also do it on monsters, which is cool. So you can just have something go very, very fast and charge, which is what we like. Uh, and then finally, Tide of Serpents is cast on 7 and a range of 15 inches. If successfully cast, pick one immune within range and visible to the caster. Roll a number of dice equal to the number of models in that unit. For each 5+, plus, the unit suffers a mortal wound. This is what we call a horde clearing spell. Just if there's a unit of 30, 60 dudes, this is better than a unit of 10 dudes. It's good. But the standout ones here are Run and Charge, Teleport, plus 1 Rend uh, on Saurus only. Uh, and then, and you can only teleport Saurus as well. So teleport Saurus, uh, plus one rend on Saurus, <laughs> um, a teleport, uh, sorry, a run and charge on any unit, and then the kind of big line um, uh, D3 mortal wound spell, the Earth Trembles. Now that also, by the way, doesn't specify how wide the line is that you draw, which is a problem. It normally is a one millimeter line. So just do play it like that. That will be FAQ to make sure that that is that. Otherwise you could draw a line that's like, 10 inches long and cause some real issues so um but some really good spells in this spell law really really good the last bit to talk about is the terrain feature so when you play seraphon you get a free terrain feature and uh the terrain terrain features are different depending which one of the two sub factions you play it in if you play as coalesced you get different rules to if you play as starborn so as we've just talked about coalesce let's talk about what you get if you're playing with it so in coalesced so you set it up and where you set it up is written on there you don't need me to explain that it's impassable which means you can't stand on it or move over it uh but then you've got fierce guardian so that's a special rule that you get uh you add one to bite rolls made for coalesced saurus or coalesced croxal units with their mighty saurus jaws saurus jaws or vice like jaws ability if they're wholly within 12 inches of this terrain feature in addition Use the top row of the damage tables for friendly Colos monsters if they're holding within 12 inches of this terrain feature. This is where things get a little bit silly, which is quite fun. Because if we take the Allegiance ability where you add plus one to the bite rolls, and if you get to fight around your temple, this means the bite attack that you get to do with your Saurus and your Croxagore are going to happen on fours. So that means four plus mortal wounds off some of those units, which is quite good. The problem is, is that's only going to happen if you're fighting around your temple. So if you can position that temple somewhere near an objective, which is a place you're more likely to be fighting, then you're going to be doing more mortal wounds, which is really effective. And also, if you want one of your monsters to be stronger, then you're going to want to put them near that as well. It's pretty good. It's a free ability at the end of the day, which we love. Um, but it's not too strong or too crazy, which is cool as well. Okay, so the other sub-faction or kind of like other half of the book are the Starborn. So Coalesced we've talked about, now we're on to Starborn. And if you choose Starborn, there are two sub-factions for these as well, Dracothian's Tale and the Fangs of Sotek. But if you do play Starborn, these are the battle traits that you get for your army. The first one is the Lords of Space and Time, and this is already nuts. At the start of the hero phase, you can carry out one of the following heroic actions with a friendly Starborn Slan, instead of any other heroic action you can carry out with a hero. Okay, well, what do they do? The first one is Contemplations of the Ancient One. This one's just okay. You pick one friendly Starborn Slan, replace one spell that they know from the Law of Celestial Domination uh, with another spell from the table. That's okay. Like, you situationally pick the right spell that you want. 
but it's not as good as the next one, so we're going to move on quick, which is Spatial Translocation. Pick one friendly Starborn slant and pick one other friendly Starborn unit wholly within 12 inches of them. Remove that other Starborn unit from the battlefield and set it up again on the battlefield more than 9 inches from all enemy units. That unit cannot move in the following movement phase. And this is the trick. This is kind of the combo that we're going to talk about a lot. Specifically Slan or Lord Croak, either one. What they're able to do is they're able to teleport, uh, not, they're able to cast spells through units in the hero phase. Heroic actions happen in the hero phase and you get to choose which order. So what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to teleport either a skink or, and probably more likely, a skink oracle on Troglodon and teleport it somewhere on the battlefield with this heroic action. Then you're going to be able to cast spells through it. So it's like kind of a free spell pool. I guess it's not because you do have to buy the model, uh, like is in points for unit, but you can cast multiple spells through it. Whereas the spell portal, you can only cast one spell through it. This is going to be really good when we talk about Lord Croak's War Scroll spell, um, but also it's going to be good for loads of other units as well. So this is a great heroic action and really, really positive. Um, then you've got Cosmic Power. This is the next battle trait we're going to talk about, and this is to do with generating Cosmic Power points. Um, if you have a Starborn army, the following are considered Cosmic Nodes, which come up a few times in the following rules. Friendly Starborn Wizard units are Cosmic Nodes. Friendly Starborn Astroloth Banner Bearers are Cosmic Nodes, which you're always going to take one of those. And a Friendly Starborn Realm Shaper Engine, uh, the terrain piece, is a Cosmic Node. During the battle, you'll be able to receive Cosmic Power Points, or CPP, uh, to spend on abilities and summoning units to the battlefield. Right? Uh, you begin the battle with zero Cosmic Power Points. At the start of each hero phase, uh, sorry, each of your hero phases, not each hero phase, start of each of your hero phases, you receive one Cosmic Power Point, or CPP, uh, for each friendly Starborn Wizard or friendly Starborn Astroth Banner Bearer on the battlefield. In addition, you receive one Cosmic Power Point each time a friendly Starborn Wizard successfully casts a spell that is not unbound, successfully unbinds a spell, or successfully dispels an Ender Spell. So the first half of this rule is... No, the first half of this rule is... No, the middle bit of this rule is like having a Zinch army. That's literally the Zinch Allegiance ability. But on top of that, you get a point for every wizard you have. And in addition, you get points for unbinding or dispelling enemy spells. So there's some crazy numbers in here. We did the math on this earlier, and we'll get to summoning in a moment. But we very easily can generate between 15 and 20 CPP, or Cosmic Power Points, in each of your hero phases, which is bonkers numbers. I think, uh, if we just look at the next page very quickly, it only costs us 30 points to get an Engine of the Gods. So, that's crazy. The fact that it's a Zinch army plus all of these abilities um, is just madness. Uh, then you've got Spending Cosmic Power Points. So, if you don't want to use them for summoning, and instead you'd like to spend them on abilities, which is fun, you've also got a bunch of abilities in addition that you can do. So, if you want to spend five Cosmic Power Points, you can do Azure Light. Um, and this is, uh, you can return D3 slain models to each friendly Starborn unit with a wounds characteristic of 1 or 2 that is wholly within 12 inches of any friendly cosmic nodes rolled separately for each unit. And this isn't just one unit. This is, you can return D3 slain models to each friendly Starborn unit. So it's kind of like um, playing OCR Bone Reapers, but better. But Nighthaunt, but better. It's so, so far, your Zinch and Nighthaunt, but better. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, which is pretty fun. Uh, you have 
protection of the old ones. This is you spend 10 power points um, and you get a 5-up ward instead of 6-up ward from the Astroloth Banner Bearer. So the uh, Revifying Energies is an ability that the Astroloth Banner Bearer model has, so you'd have to buy them into your army. But everyone around that have a 5-up ward save uh, instead of a 6-up ward save, which is what it normally gives. It's pretty good. Pretty good, if you, especially if you've got a lot of models under there. Then you've got Cleanse of the Realms. You spend 15 cosmic power points, roll a dice for each enemy unit within 12 inches of any friendly cosmic nodes. So it's not just one cosmic node, it's any of them. And it's uh, and it's just within, not wholly within. So if any of your wizards, Ashroth Banner Bearer or Terrain Piece are within range of any enemy units, then uh, on a 2+, plus, they suffer a number of mortal wounds equal to the roll. So if I roll... If I roll a six, like you can, you can do multiple more, like flat six mortal wounds to units around every wizard. Is crazy, right? And then you got summoning Seraphon finally. Okay, so these are the points that we talked about. Um, uh, skink is uh, ten skinks at eight points, three terror wings at eight points, um, uh, three Ripperdacter riders at ten points, and like we talked about previously, it's very, very easy to comfortably get up to. Very easy to comfortably get up to somewhere between 10 and 20 each hero phase. If you go up against a magic heavy army, then you could very comfortably be pushing 20 plus in a single phase, uh, which is pretty impressive. Uh, so those are the summoning. So those are the, the magic power points, which are crazy. You're going to be able to get loads of them very, very quickly and very effectively. And you're going to be able to summon lots or use them for really unique abilities. So overall, phenomenal stuff okay so now we're going to talk about the sub factions that you get if you're playing starborn and there are two there's dracothian's tail and there's fangs of totec dracothian's tail let you set up units in reserve for each model you deploy on the board or each unit deploy on the board you can set up another one in reserve and you can deep strike them but they have to be within 12 inches of a friendly cosmic node as we talked about that's either the terrain feature or a wizard um, or the Astroth Banner Bearer, but they have to be nine inches from one enemy units. This is pretty good because it's going to stop you from getting um, at what we call alpha struck, so you can do what we call a dull deploy, or you can deploy not as much stuff on the board, so your opponent can't necessarily just wipe all your stuff out in the first turn. So that's quite good, especially in the right matchup. The other one is Fangs of Sotek, which is the commanding player of a Fangs of Sotek army can use the redeploy command ability up to three times in each of their opponent's movement phases. In addition, the first two times the redeploy command issue is 20 friendly fang uh, Fangs of Sotek skink units in a phase, no command points are spent. So basically, you can either spend three command points and make three units redeploy, or you can do skinks, and then it's only going to cost you one CP to redeploy three. I quite like that stipulation that you can still do other units up to three times, which is quite good. So yeah, this is not bad, actually. I quite like this one, Fangs of Sotek. That's quite fun. Um, the redeploys are very strong, especially if you're taking lots of skinks. And the Draco's Tail one is good, especially if you're looking to deep strike some stuff and do some really fun things. Okay, so now we're going to talk about this, uh, the command traits. And I won't lie. I won't lie. I've been talking through this with the chat. And you and me, dear viewer, dear listener, we're going to have to talk. You have to talk me down a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to go backwards in, in usefulness. We're going to start with... The Vast Intellect, this general knows two extra spells from the Law of Celestial Dominion. Don't take that command trait on your slan. That won't do anything. These are command traits. These are things that go on your general. Sorry, I should have said that. You got higher state of consciousness. You ignore modifiers, positive and negative, to save rolls for attacks that target this general. And unfortunately, they only have a four-up save, a slan. So you're going to want to get positives to them way more than you care about the negatives. So that one's rubbish too. You got Arcane Might. And this one is legitimately really good. Like, 
legitimately amazing. The general control up to three predatory under spells. You can still only cast one in each of your hero phases. You can only normally only control one predatory under spell. In addition, when this general casts a spell that summons another spell, the range of that spell is doubled, which is crazy because you can stack that with the Ashloth Banner Bearer's ability to set up a spell. So you can literally put purple suns into your opponent's territory in the first turn. They can just deploy and you can just be like, purple sun, eat that baby. And you're like, Rob, can't get any better than that can't get any better than that guess what you got the lord of celestial resonance each time this general successfully casts a spell that is not unbound successfully unbinds a spell or successfully dispels an endless spell you receive two cosmic power points instead of one this is so insane this is absolutely cooked this means if you put this on a slan they're going to turn up to be a wizard that's one celestial power point then they're going to cast three spells because they're a slan so that's going to generate you six celestial power points. That's seven celestial power points. Then, if you want, those spells you could cast could be your own endless spells. And then in your opponent's turn, you could just unbind your own endless spells if you want. And that's going to get you another three, uh, another six endless spells. So you are going to get 13 celestial power points. 13 just from one slant. And that is going to be enough to get you five Hunters of Haunchy with Dark Rippers, three Pterodon Riders, three Ripodactyl Riders, all from the one slam. It's crazy stuff. Like, crazy stuff. I thought the Zinch ability to be able to do it on a two-cast wizard, and every time they cast a spell, they got two CP was strong. Uh, sorry, two summoning points was strong. This is, this is, this is another level. This is absolutely bonkers lord of celestial residence take that all the time just always take that uh, then you've got some uh, skink command traits i don't really know why i'm reading them when you should read the others but i'll do it just for clarity you've got master of the star rituals this general knows all the spells on the law of celestial manipulation which is fine uh you got the nimble war leader roll 2d6 instead of d6 when making run rolls for friendly skink units while they're holding within 18 inches of this general yep love that that's good and then you got shrewd 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 strategist once per battle at the start of your opponent's combat phase pick one friendly seraphon unit wholly within 18 inches of this general if that unit is within 12 inches of any enemy units but more than three inches of all enemy units it can immediately attempt to charge um so incredibly good uh like not that ability sorry because i'm still thinking about this one the lord of celestial resonance like that one's shrewd strategist is whatever don't care you're just gonna take this all the time it's incredible stuff phenomenal next we're going to look at the artifacts you get to take if you're playing in starborn first one is relocation orb which is once per battle at the end of the phase if the bearer has any wounds allocated to them in that phase you can remove the bearer from the battlefield and set them anywhere wholly within 12 inches of a friendly cosmic node and more than nine inches from all enemy units now this is actually quite a fun one this is once per battle at the end of a phase so if someone shoots you with like a little small model or unit then what you're going to be able to do is just teleport away, which is quite fun. So there's some really fun little trickery you can do with that, with a relocation orb. I quite like that one. Next one is Prison of Amniotok. This just does some more wounds, and we're going to skip it because it's useless. We've got the Zod Zotek Dial. After deployment, before the first battle round begins, secretly record the number of, uh, of the battle round on a piece of paper. At the start of that battle round, reveal the information and then heal all wounds allocated to the bearer. In addition, during that battle round, add one to save rolls for attacks that target the bearer. 
And while I love this, because you can be prophetic and see into the future and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to write turn three, you don't get that much of a benefit for this guess and for giving up one of your artifacts. So I probably would skip this. Next one, you get Space Folder Stave. This one is very good. Once per turn, at the end of your movement phase, if the bear is on the battlefield, you can say that they will guide the arrival of their celestial reinforcements. If you do so, the next friendly starborn unit to be set up on the battlefield could be set up more than seven inches from all enemy units instead of more than nine inches. Now, this is quite interesting because what it's effectively referring to is the allegiance ability, but what it doesn't specify is the allegiance ability. And so if you take into account when you can do this, uh, which is once per turn at the end of your movement phase, you would think, okay, and now I'm going to deploy a unit and I'll be seven inches away. It's pretty good. But if you use it at the end of your movement phase and then you don't bother uh, to use it, you don't bother to like set up anything then, the next time you move into the hero phase and you use the heroic action to do a teleport, that will create a unit as a setup. And instead of being nine inches away from the enemy, you can now be seven inches away from the enemy, which is kind of a cute little trick. Not necessarily one you're going to use, but it is quite fun. Other than that, it just means that you can use one of your deep striking units seven inches away, which is cool, in my opinion, especially for being able to like go and charge a unit that wasn't expecting yeah, so it's very, very effective. It also skews the math pretty massively, especially when you get plus one to charge on some units like Saurus, etc. So it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Then you've got vestments of the priesthood. So these are artifacts that you can only take on skinks. Um, so you've got incandescent retresses. At the start of each of your hero phases, you can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to the bearer. Um, that's okay, but again, not good for just your artifact. Uh, then you've got Sacred Stegadon Helm, which I love, because you add one to save rolls to attacks that target the bearer. In addition, add one to the damage characteristic of melee weapons used by the bearer if they made a charge move in the same turn. Now, unbeknownst to you, because you might not have read it so far, but Skinks specifically, uh, Skink Priests, have got a D3 damage weapon in melee, which makes them have the same damage profile as a Bloodthirster, which is insane. But D3 plus one makes it do more damage than a Bloodthirster. So if you have a corn friend and those corn and your corn friend is being like, yeah, I'm going to use my Blood Tithe to increase my Spell Ignore, you'd be like, okay, that kind of makes sense. You're playing against Seraphon, that's fine. But you could charge their Bloodthirster with your Skink Star Priest and do D3 plus one damage and just generally annoy them because it does more damage than a Bloodthirster. And that's hilarious. That's just very funny. That's what I would say. Finally, Cloak of Feathers. Unit that does not have the monster keyword only. Subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by the target the, the target the bearer. In addition, add four inches to the bearer's move characteristic and the bearer can fly, which is kind of okay. Um, like it's fine. Plus four inches, can fly. Um, and it's minus one to hit. That's like not bad, but the fact it can't be taken on a monster means it's going to be on a little character. So like you might use it, you might not use it. But yeah, it's okay. It's not too bad. Next up, these are the spells that you can take. Um, so for slands, you've got Comet's Call. Uh, it's a spell that's cast on a seven. Now, this is super famous. If you've been playing Seraphon before or heard of Seraphon, this is such a good spell. It used to be on the War Scrolls for Croak and also the Slan. So you might hear people saying that they aren't as good as they were before, which is definitely true because, my God, is this a great spell, but it's so healthy for the game that it is no longer on their War Scroll. So Comet's Call has casting value of 7. If successfully cast, you pick D3 different enemy units on the battlefield. If the casting roll was a 10+, plus, pick up to D6 enemy units, and they suffer D3 mortal wounds each. You can't do the same unit multiple times. So if you do roll a 6, you can't do 6 D3 mortal wounds to the same unit. But 
it's just a great spell, especially because you get pluses to cast in this army, so it's more easy to get the 10. And you're still able to do mortal wounds at range. I think this is comfortably one of the things that you will do, but you can no longer ally a slant in to do this, which is really healthy for the game. You've got Tepox Benefiance, uh, which has a casting value of 5. I've definitely said that wrong. Tepox Bin Finance has a casting value of 5 and a range of 18 inches. If successfully cast, pick one friendly skink unit, holding within range, visible to the caster. To start your next hero phase, subtract one from wound rolls to attack the target of that unit. We quite like that because you're going to want minus one to wound on a unit that also maybe is minus one to hit because of other abilities, like let's say the Troglodon. Um, you, we know that you can put a five up ward on a unit as well. So you might be able to make a very survivable skink unit in your army and minus one to wounds, my favorite debuff. So that's really good. You've got Drain Magic which is the same as uh, from the Coalesced, which is cast on a six, and if you're successfully cast until the end of the phase, you add one to the dispelling rolls made for friendly units and subtract one from unbinding rolls made by enemy units. So this just gives you a bit more magic dominance in the game, so it's quite effective. You've got Mystical Unforging, which is cast on an eight and a range of 12 inches. If successfully cast, you pick one enemy unit with a range invisible to the caster. Till the start of your next hero phase, the rend characteristic of that unit's weapon is treated as dash. This is really, really good into units that do have very high rend, obviously. I don't think you need me to explain that. But this is especially good if you're trying to make a very survivable front line, uh, especially with the minus one to wound spell, uh, the rend dash spell, minus one to hit aura. You could potentially use all of these spells to create quite a strong front line. Ultimately, what it mainly does is it neuters how effective one of your opponent's very damaging units is. So, great spell. And you've got Stellar Tempest, which is just a mortal wound clearing spell uh, for horde units. So you pick uh, a unit and then every model inside that unit on a five up takes a mortal wound. Uh, a bit of a classic spell. And then you've got three spells for the Skink Wizards. You've got Cosmic Crush, which is cast on a seven uh, and a range of 12 inches. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and roll invisible to the caster. You roll a number of dice equal to the number of models in the unit. For each roll that equals or exceeds that unit's save characteristic, that unit suffers one mortal wound. Then you've got Celestial Harmony. Uh, which is cast on a 5 and a range of 18 inches. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Seraphon unit wholly within range and visible to the caster. If the casting roll was a 10+, plus, pick all friendly Seraphon units wholly within range visible to the caster. Until your next hero phase, they have a bravery of 10. This is kind of okay, but this is a spell that you'd be casting with a skink specifically to make sure that your bravery was just a little bit better. I don't think I'll see that taken very much, to be honest. And then you've got Speed of Haunchy which is cast on a 6 and a range of 18 inches. If successfully cast, you pick one friendly Croxagore or Skink unit that is not a monster and is wholly in range, that unit can make a normal move. And this is fantastic. This is a pre-game move or a hero phase move for either Croxagore or Skinks. And as we've talked about, you're probably going to take a lot of Skinks in this sub-faction, which is very, very good. You might take some Croxagore as well. Who knows? Um, and so being able to move them in the hero phase and then move them again in the movement phase is very good uh, because then you've got a very fast army. So that's a spell that I think you'll see more than the other two spells, personally. Finally, the thing to talk about in Starborn is your terrain piece. So uh, same as before, it's your free terrain piece. Uh, but this one is a lot better than the other version of the terrain piece. It's still impassable, it's still got its setup rules, but it has its special ability called the Power Unleashed. In your hero phase, if there are any friendly Seraphon wizards within three inches of this terrain feature, which there definitely will be, because you're going to be getting loads of summoning points for having them, uh, you can pick one other terrain feature on the battlefield. 
and roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches, which is crazy of that terrain feature. Add two to the roll if that terrain feature is within 18 inches. So if it's close, it's going to happen on a two plus. If it's over 36 inches, which is pretty impossible, then it's going to be happening on a six plus. But on a four plus normally, so if it's between 18 and 36 inches, every unit within three inches on a four plus takes D3 mortal wounds. Okay, why is that so good, Rob? It's just splash AoE mortal wound damage, which is actually pretty rare. Is actually something that people take whole units for, like a Sunstone Prime, or previously used to take a Slam. So it's just an ability that other armies would love to have, and it's free on your terrain feature. I mean, terrain features aren't free. You've got to pay for them, buy them. But, like, they're free points-wise. They're just not free cost-wise is my point. But this is just loads of damage. Loads of damage at range all the time. And if your opponent is silly enough to clump up around a terrain feature, you just get to do loads of mortal wounds into their army, which, as we've talked about, if you take Comet's Call, if you also take Croak, you're potentially doing so many mortal wounds to your opponent that they're not going to know what to do with it, which is amazing. So it's great. It's great. Absolutely great, great, great. Okay, now we're on to the War Scroll. So we're going to look at all the different units. And the first one we're going to start on is the Faction Leader, Lord Croak. The Undead Toad himself. He is an amazing 395 points. He is amazing. I'm just going to say that now. Um, and 395 points is great, especially as you can use him as an ally at 2,000 point games, which is pretty much all we play. Okay, what makes him so good? This is an absolutely, um, that's an absolutely great question. He's got 18 wounds with a 4-up save, but he only moves 5 inches. But that's not really a problem because he's going to project power or his threat range, an effective threat range, is going to be much more than 5 inches. He's also got a special way that he dies and, and does wounds, and we'll talk about that now. So he casts 4 spells, and unbinds four spells, which is an amazing amount, okay? He's also very cheap at 395 points. If this unit is part of a Starborn army, he knows all of the spells from Celestial Domination. If he's part of a Coalesced army, he knows all the spells from that spell lore. So, unlike a Slan, he knows all of the spells, which is absolutely brilliant. Really good for him. He's also a Warmaster, so he's going to count as the general in the army, even if he's not the general, and the general will get a certain command trait, which will be the generate an extra uh, celestial points <laughs> one. But he's a Warmaster, which means you can do command abilities from 18 inches as well, which is quite important. He can also fly, which is good. Okay, he's got Arcane Vassal, and he's this is going to be the same on the Slan, and this is going to be the main kind of combo that you're going to do a lot in this army. When this unit attempts to cast a spell, before making the casting roll, you can pick either one friendly skink wizard within 12 inches of this unit or one friendly oracle anywhere on the battlefield. And that's going to be a skink oracle, uh, which is on a troglodon. If you do so, the spell is successfully cast and not unbound. You must measure the range and visibility for that spell from the skink wizard or the oracle. And this is already going to uh like this is already you're going to get the combos whirring in your head now oh so i'm going to be able to like teleport using the heroic action and then i'm going to be able to cast some spells through it of course you are like that's going to be very very good really really good where it gets better is the oracle because you're going to be able to maybe backboard or hide croak right at the back of the board teleport the oracle right in the middle of the board and then just cast all your spells from there because you don't need to measure range which is amazing very good. In any other situation, it's just useful because you're probably going to take skinks, um, uh, skink wizards, 
And so being able to cast spells through them is just going to increase the range and keep Croak alive because you're not going to want him to die, which is good. He's got the Azerite Force Barrier, uh, which is his attack profile. What it basically means is you me measure for every model within three inches from one unit, and then you roll a dice equal to the number of models that you measured for, and then he five ups, they take a mortal wound. So he's actually quite good at like fighting lots of infantry, which is quite interesting. Um, if you're near a, a monster, then you actually add plus five to that. So that's what he does. You add five dice instead. Right, then he's got dead for innumerable ages. Innumerable? Innumerable? Innumerable. Innumerable. At the end of each phase, if any wounds are allocated to this model, and he has 18 wounds, roll 3d6 and add the number of wounds allocated to this model. On a 20+, plus, this model is slain. On any other roll, heal all wounds to him. There's a designer's note that says if you do anything that does 18 wounds to him immediately, he automatically dies straight away instead of having to wait. This happens at the end of each phase. So Croak is one of those units you have to absolutely kill straight off the bat. Uh, the average on 3d6 is 11. So that means you have to do about 10 wounds to him every time to make sure that you can kill him. So that's quite important, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah. He's he's more he's quite difficult to kill, especially if you take Saurus Guard, because those Saurus Guard are going to be able to tank wounds for him. <laughs> uh, then he's got Implacable Foresight, which is at the start of the hero phase. Roll three dice for this unit. Each four plus, you receive a command point. Now, there aren't lots of command abilities to do inside um, the Seraphon book itself, but generating extra CP is always really useful, especially if you take Coalesced and you want to redeploy units and all those other things. Uh, so more command points is always good, especially it's on his war scroll. Command points cost roughly about 50 uh, points in game. It's roughly what they're costed at, uh, or that's what they used to be costed at. So he's worth about 75 points alone just from being able to do impeccable foresight. In fact, each wizard level is normally worth about 100 points. So just uh, the wizard, uh, level 4 wizard, and also being able to receive command points, his base war scroll cost should be about 475, just as an FYI. Um, uh, right, and then he's got Supreme Master of Order, which is add two to casting, dispelling, unbinding rolls for this unit, which is amazing, plus two to cast. Um, and then in addition, this unit can attempt to unbind enemy spells that are cast anywhere on the battlefield and attempt to dispel enemy spells anywhere on the battlefield. So this is wild. So normally you kind of have to do this thing where you have to get within 30 inches to try and dispel or unbind enemy spells or endless spells. Because then, but then you also then are in range and they can stop you. You can now just stop spells at the back of the board, but can cast your spells through Skink Oracles and Skink Priests much closer to your opponent. So this is awesome. And you've got plus two to do it, which is really fantastic. He's got the Golden Death Mask, which is at the start of the combat phase. You can pick one uh, enemy unit within 12 inches and you roll 2d6. If you beat their bravery, then they strike last. Uh, and it's good because it's 12 inches, so not within 3 inches, so you can just pick a unit that might be fighting your Saurus Guard or your Croxagore, and you just give them the Strike Last effect, which is good. Um, and then you've got the Celestial Deliverance. <sighs> I'm going to take a moment. This is one of the... I'm recording this for the YouTubers and the podcasters, so it's meant to be a more condensed video. I'm currently hanging out with a couple of hundred people on Twitch. I just want you to know that this is truly insane. Okay? Celestial Deliverance is a, has a, is a spell. It's a spell. He casts a spell. It's cast on a 7, and it's got a range of 12 inches. 
Okay, now a couple of things to remember about this. Number one, he's naturally got plus two to cast, so that's already going to be cast on a five. He's also going to be stood next to an Astroloth Banner Bearer every single time, and that is going to give him plus one to cast, so this is cast on a four, and it's got a range of 18 inches because the Astroloth Banner Bearer is going to cast it, is going to add plus six inches to the range. So that's 18-inch range, which is pretty good. Okay, this unit can attempt to cast this spell multiple times in your hero phase. So you can cast it four times because he's a forecast wizard. Each time this spell is successfully cast, pick up to three different enemy units within range and visible to the caster. Each of those units suffers D3 mortal wounds. So the rough math on that is, if you do cast it all four times, that means you'll pick 12 units. They'll suffer on average two mortal wounds each. So that's 24 mortal wounds. But that's, uh, and that's, and it doesn't get any difficult. You've got to roll a four plus to cast four times for 24 mortal wounds at 18 inches. But if you decide to take this in Coalesced, um, uh, not Coalesced, sorry, you decide to take this in Starborn, you could use the heroic action to put an oracle right in the middle of the board, and then you could just do it from anywhere <laughs> and still affect units at 18 inches, which is amazing which is great so this is bonkers that's what i'm going to say because he does he should on average when you combo him with something like chronomatic cog so you get re-rolls you should average 24 mortal wounds each each hero phase which is pretty good over the course of five battle rounds it's 124 more wounds or, or roughly around so good uh combine this with another slan who's doing comics call and maybe yeeting a purple sun at the enemy army you have an incredibly powerful first turn uh, no you do have to take an astroth banner bearer as well and that is going to cost you additional points uh but for 395 points lord croak if like if i was buying a miniature today that would be the miniature to buy fantastic miniature fantastic rules incredibly cheap really effective go out there and get one so the next up is the slan star master so 275 points for a three cast wizard with nine wounds on a four up armor save Moves five inches, uh, can also unbind three spells, and can fly. It's got the Arcane Vassal, which is what we talked about with Croak, being able to cast spells through a Skink or an Oracle. It's got Foresight, which is kind of like Croak, where you roll two dice in the hero phase, and each four plus is going to get you a CP. You've got Gift from the Heavens, which is a command ability, which you pick a Seraphon unit, and that's quite nice because it's open to any unit. What they do is they get the ability to fly, and, well, they get the fly keyword, and they get to add one to save rolls for attacks that target them with a missile weapon. This is a super weird old holdover um, command ability from, like, the beginning of Age of Sigmar that's kind of stuck around. It's quite fun. It's just a toad or a frog making any sort of unit fly. So you can make Croxagore fly, make Skinks fly. You can make a, like a, like a, um, a, triceratops it's not called that though a stegodon fly and that's hilarious like that's hilarious it's hilarious plus one save against shooting is also just a weird random additional buff uh but it's good it's good uh so hugely love that command ability especially good as we've when we talk about it you're going to be able to have really fast like saurus units or um saurus cavalry units so being able to make them fly like double move run and charge and then fly means that they're going to be super fast and be able to charge over screens which is really useful so it's actually a really good command ability especially for combat units 
legal master of order. A slam, unfortunately, only adds plus one to casting, unbinding, or dispels, but can still um, dispel or uh, unbind endless spells from anywhere on uh, the board. So you can put this outside of 30 inches, which is good, and it's on its water roll, which is even better. It's got a spell called Celestial Equilibrium, which is cast on six. And if successfully cast until the end of the phase, you add one to the casting rolls for friendly wizards other than the caster. And you've got Shield of the Old Ones, uh, which is a spell that's cast on seven. And if successfully cast, the caster has a ward of four plus against mortal wounds. So the four plus against mortal wounds is kind of okay. Really depends on who you're up against and what the situation is. But Celestial Equilibrium is amazing. If successfully cast until the end of the phase, add one to casting rolls for friendly nearby wizards. Oh boy, what if I was to tell you... Um, uh, you could do this on Croak. So now he's got plus two on his wall scroll, plus one from the Ashkloth Banner Bearer. So now he's got another plus one from this. So he's casting his wall scroll spell on a three. That's right, on a three. Uh, and it's correct, it's not even nearby. If successfully cast until the end of the phase, add one to casting rolls for friendly wizards other than the caster. It's board wide, it's anywhere. You get plus one to cast, you get plus one to cast loads of plus one to cast which is really positive so yeah just just excellent stuff there from the sand star master um in of itself weirdly doesn't actually feel like it's going to bring a lot of output or damage to the board but we know that we can take some amazing command traits for the slan which is good um and then he can use that spell casting to either yeet endless spells or generate more summoning points uh, really effectively so overall i think that you're probably going to pick up slan and croaks um uh, so one croak and slans so i'd probably get a couple yeah that's what i'd say very very good okay the skink stars here is a generic character so can take command traits and artifacts and there's 150 points six wounds on a four up armor save and moves five inches here's a two cast wizard which at 150 points is bananas okay so it's great now what does he do? Number one, he's got a combat profile, two attacks with the same uh, damage output as a Bloodthirster, which is pretty legit. He's got two abilities. Well, one ability and one spell. He's got Scry the Stars, which is once per battle in your hero phase, you can say this unit will Scry the Stars. If you do so, roll a number of dice equal to the number of the current battle round. For, two, for each two plus, you can pick one friendly Seraphon unit on the battlefield. That unit has a ward of five plus until the start of your next hero phase. This is really good. Because you can pick, um, you turn one, you can just make sure a unit has a five at ward save for a very really strong early engagement. Or it could just be something that you pocket for the correct time where maybe you can have two or maybe three units with a five at ward save, which is pretty good. So it's a pretty pivotal moment. Um, uh, and you can use this. I think this isn't the reason you take the unit, but I actually quite like this ability and timing this and the resource management on this is going to be quite useful. But, but... He's got a spell. He, they, the skink, has got a spell called Celestial Doom. It's a spell that has a casting value of 7. Don't forget near an Ashloth Banner Bearer, it'll be a 6. And a range of 12 inches, or 18 inches. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. Until the end of the turn, ward rolls can be made for models in that unit. So, no ward rolls. And as we've already talked about with the Slan or Croak, already a lot of opportunity to do a lot of mortal wounds into an enemy unit so being able to do this first so that they do not have a ward roll and then doing mortal wounds is quite an effective little trick 150 points to turn off ward saves 
is amazing. Scry the Stars, the ability to add a ward save to your own army is a nice little flip on that. Great value. Great miniature, great value. Definitely pick one up. Skink Star Priest is next. Uh, he's got five wounds with a five up armor save and is 130 points, which is great for a one cast wizard. It's exactly what you want. Um, has got an okay belly profile, same as a bloodthirster. Uh, has got a spell, unique spell, which is called Blazing Starlight, which is cast on a six and a range of 18 inches. And this is uh, you target a friendly unit. Uh, no, so you pick an enemy unit, and until your next hero phase, you subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that unit. This is really good, especially if you combo it combo it up with the minus one to hit aura that you can get from the Troglodon, so there'll be minus two to hit, which means even if they use the plus one to hit all-out attack ability, they're still going to be minus one to hit, which is great. The um, Serpent Staff ability, though, is probably the reason you're going to take the Skink Star Priest, and at 130 points, it's great value. In your hero phase, you can pick one friendly Seraphon unit, so that means any unit which is great wholly within 12 inches of this unit if you do so to your next hero phase if the unmodified wound roll for an attack is a six then the unit suffers a mortal wound in addition this is wonderful on saurus warriors or skinks units with lots of attacks and therefore they're going to be rolling lots of dice and you're just doing bonus mortal wounds which is wicked so really really good especially effective if you're going to generate a lot of attacks um a good spell 130 points wicked deal definitely got one of those too next unit is the skink oracle on troglodon 14 wounds with a four up armor save which is quite nice considering he's really of a support piece not a frontline melee monster okay so he's got a shooting attack which is called noxious spittle which is three attacks and damage two but no rend but it does have a nice 18 inches which somehow brackets for some reason i guess he gets more tired um, and then he's got an okay fighting profile. The Divining Rod from the Skink on the top has got D3 damage. The Talon Forelimbs have got two attacks that do damage two. And the Venomous Jaws have got three attacks at damage three. 270 points, exactly. He's 270 points. But uh, what does he do? Well, he's a wizard for a start, a one-cast wizard. Um, and he's got regeneration. So at the start of each hero phase, he can heal D3, which is good because he's only got a four-up armor save. So he's more on the fragile side. Um, he's got stench of death, which is you subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by enemy units within nine inches of any friendly units with this ability. Now, what's really cool about this, in my personal opinion, what's really cool about this um, is this also is it going to affect shooting units as well. So if you can get this guy close enough, I don't know, using some sort of like command trait or ability so you can get within seven inches, you can make it to the minus to hit, which is useful. Okay, we love that. Uh, so this is good. That's a nice, nice thing because he's really a support monster piece, which is quite unique uh, as a unit. So I quite like this. And then he's got Terror. Enemy units cannot receive Inspiring Presence Command while they're within three inches of any friendly units with this ability. So if you do um, charge in, uh, which is really good, uh, then they can't use Inspiring Presence, which means they can't ignore Battleshock tests, which is very useful against some armies. Um, and then you've got Venomous Spittle. Oh, yes, you can also make the Stench of Death ability a 12-inch aura um, if you go into the Coalesced sub-faction. So you can use the Monstrous Action, uh, Odious Roar, and you can make the range of this be 12 inches as opposed to 9 inches, which is pretty nice. 
um, on the skink uh, on the uh, for that ability. But that's if you play him in coalesced. But if he is in coalesced because he's a monster, he's also going to be minus one damage, which is quite nice. So the minus one to hit and minus one damage. I feel like you definitely would take one of these to potentially build a more tanky coalesced army, making all units like minus to hit and also more survivable. So that's very effective in my opinion. Uh, so definitely think about taking it in coalesced. Terror's good. Venomous Spittle is... If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with the, the Noxious Spittle, which is a shooting attack, or the Venomous Jaws is a six, the attack causes a number of mortal wounds to the target equals to the weapon's damage, which is quite nice. So basically, if they're damaged three on the Venomous Jaws, if you roll a six to hit with the three attacks, then... Uh, you're going to do three mortal wounds. And then he's got Primordial Mire. And this is actually phenomenal, especially if um, especially if you're going to do this in conjunction with being able to do mortal wounds using the Realm Shaper engine. What it is is a spell that's cast on a 7 and a range of 12 inches. If successfully cast, pick one objective or terrain feature within range and visible to the caster. Until your next hero phase, units within 3 inches of that objective or terrain feature cannot run or retreat and must halve the result of charge rolls. This spell has no effect on skink units. Now, as we talked about, there's the potential to do lots of AoE damage if you're taking Starborn. And you can use the Robe Shaper engine to blow up a piece and then also pin them into a piece of terrain, meaning they're just going to take more mortal wounds, which is really effective. If you want to flip this around and do this in Coalesced, there's definitely a kind of pinning list in Coalesced where you charge units up, you pin your opponent back, and then having it so that they can't retreat out of that, therefore free themselves of that, your more tanky and survivable units is, again, another tactic which is really powerful. So just crazy good so like there's some really good stuff here uh so the troglodon's really good uh just watch out for that really really powerful 270 points um it's an interesting support piece maybe it'll get dropped for other units that do more but it does definitely benefit all of your strong units croak slan and your combat units so Ultimately, I think it's very good. For 330 points, you can get a Stegadon Chief, which is 14 wounds and a 4-up save. And he's a combat support character who is also a bit of a shooter. Kind of interesting. He can take a range of different missile weapons, either the Sky Streak Bow, which is legitimately, legitimately quite good. 24-inch range, 3 shots, 3-3s, three threes, Rend 1, damage 3. Now, the Rend 1 is a bit of an issue, but 24-inch range on a profile that moves 8 inches so that you have a 32-inch effective range, in my opinion, is very, very good. Uh, so that's nice. And you could especially see taking a few of those, maybe if you took Battle Line Stegs and you took a bunch of shooting at range. And then when they get close, you countercharge them with the same unit, which is quite nice. Um, then he's an okay combat profile with five crushing stomps uh, doing damage two, two grinding jaws doing damage two, and then two massive horns which do damage four. So it's like it's an okay melee profile, um, but it's only rend one on most of those, and that can be a bit of an issue into high armor stuff. Uh, only moves eight inches as well, so isn't super fast, but if you do take him in coalesced, they're going to be minus one damage, uh, which is really good, and able to do unique monstrous actions. Um, He's got an armored crest, so if you fight models with five uh, units with five or less models, you're going to get a plus one to your save, which is going to put you on a three-up save. But it's to your not to your save characteristic; it's plus one to the roll. Um, and then you've got a coordinated strike, which is once per turn, this unit can issue a command to a friendly skink unit without command point being spent, which 
it's pretty good. Like, it's a free command point, which, but if you're taking loads of slands anyway, you're getting some command points for days, so it doesn't really add much to it. You get to add three to the bravery characteristic of skink units, but not ones with the Stegodon keyword. And then the Sunfire Throwers is one of the other abilities it has, and this relates to its shooting profile that you'll take instead of a Sky Streak Bow, where it effectively will do mortal wounds to the unit uh, within eight inches, uh, depending on how many models are within that eight inch range, um, which is quite nice on five up. So it's kind of a horde clearing gun spell, a big fire breathing uh, flamethrower, which is quite fun in the right matchup, especially good if you get charged because you can uh, you can use stand and shoot um, and there'll be no minuses to hit because it doesn't affect that ability. So that's kind of fun. And then he's got Unstoppable Stampede, which is quite legit, which is after this unit finishes a charge, move all the dice for each enemy unit within one inch. Normally you only hit one unit, but this hits multiple units. And on a two plus, the enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds so overall a combat character who um like does support for skinks which is kind of okay but are we taking clouds of skinks is he going to do as much output as summoning with slans and croak probably not is it more effective probably to have a bunch of Soros or Croxagore um in here instead probably so i don't really know what his job is and it the War Scroll doesn't know, seem to know what his job is either. But maybe you can build yourself a really fighty melee Stegodon Chief and go have some fun. The first battle line unit we're going to look at are Skinks. Little tiny Skinks. They come in units of 10 and they're 85 points. They have one wound each and they move 8 inches. So they're quite fast, which is nice. And they're bravery 5. And that's a problem because they're going to run away to battle shock. So maybe the Skink Chief we looked at increasing their bravery is going to be very, very impressive or useful. Um... But their loadout is going to be interesting as well. What you can do is you can either take a Bolt Spitter, a Celestine Club, and also a Shield. Uh, and then what this is going to do is give you a 5-up armor save instead of a 6-up armor save. That's probably the more defensible version of this. So you get to do some shooting at 16 inches, but you also move 8, which is pretty nice. It's not great shooting, but we'll talk about why you want to do these things in a minute. But you, you end up with a more defensible unit. The other version of this, which maybe does more damage but is less survivable, is you take a Bolt Spitter and you take the Moonstone Club because the Moonstone Club has got two attacks in close combat, uh, which is quite nice. Or you could try and make a kind of small melee unit in the Moonstone Club and also having a shield. That means no Bolt Spitter for you. So you're not going to be able to affect units at range. But they're a fast unit and they could potentially run and charge. Um, they could fly. So there's loads of things that they could do to get into combat. The reason that we want to get lots of attacks on one of these units is because, obviously, as we looked at with the Skink Priest, any sixes to wound are going to do a mortal wound. So being able to stack them is going to be very good. The, the most attacks you can get, um, and with a unit of 30 of these, only 255 points. Uh, if you take the Moonstone Club and the Bolt Spitters, that's going to equal 60 melee attacks um, and also 30 shooting attacks. So any sixes to wound uh, are going to cause mortal wounds, which with 90 attacks, uh, that's going to be 10 mortal wounds. Uh, yeah, 10 mortal wounds. Uh, or is that even more? 15 mortal wounds, which is decent. So overall... I quite like that. I think that's actually quite nice. Um, they're very cheap. It's nice to have a cheap, not useless option, 
a, a cheap unit that you can do some buffs to and it can do some stuff it's not going to change the world but it could do some incredible things uh so pretty nice i quite like skinks 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 are decent i think you'll want to build and paint some skinks the next unit we're going to look at is the artillery piece in the army it's 125 points it's called the spawn of chotek or a salamander i mean they just don't want to say salamander but it's a salamander it's eight wounds with a four up save and for 125 points it's cheap it's got a couple of different shooting profiles it's got one at 25 uh, sorry 24 inches but it's one attack that hits on a four and this is a big boo because it's got a very effective ability it hits on a four wounds on a two rend two d6 damage what you really want my personal opinion is to hit with this because it activates the ability glob of flame acid get globbed and uh if you uh, it, that means if any wounds were caused by this uh the glob of attack which means you've got a hit you've got a wound they can't save it and you've got to roll a d6 which they don't ward then until the end of that turn they're minus one to their save rolls this is actually pretty good like we talked about earlier with uh, well we will talk about sorry in the future saurus warriors are able to have rend one on their war scroll they've got a spell that can make them rend two so this would make them effectively rend three which is quite nice croxagore going in at rend three and rend four effectively would be really good at this so you could definitely see running these in coalesced I don't think these necessarily benefit stuff in Starborn uh, because the way you're doing damage there is via mortal wounds. You're not really trying to reduce saves. But if you're only coalesced and you want to do a bunch of damage, I feel like this is something that's quite interesting. The other version of shooting is Stream of Fire. And what this does is kind of uh, an AoE damage attack. It shoots into a horde and it does up to 10 attacks, which I don't know why it's capped, but it is. Um, and it hits on a 2, wounds on a 3, rend 2, damage 1. So you just kill a bunch of dudes, which is quite fun. Um, uh, and then it's got an okay combat profile of three attacks at Ren 2 damage 3, which is pretty legit, especially if you do the glob of fire and then you charge in. It's actually going to be Ren 3 damage 3, which is pretty strong. So um, would I take one? Probably not. And if you're going to take one, and as has been pointed out in the chat, uh, which is really lovely by the Dice, Dice Cast AOS, um, if you're going to take one, I would take multiples to guarantee that minus one uh, to save to a unit, which is quite cool. Um, but I wouldn't take one necessarily all the time anyway. But if you got it off and then you get all the other buffs happening, you could really do some damage thanks to this unit and with this unit, which is cool. Coming in units of five and <laughs> being 90 points, uh, the Hunters of Huanchi are kind of chameleon skinks, but no more chameleon skinks. They've got six up save, one wound and they move eight inches, but they are not 135 points, sorry. 135 points for five of them um but they're not very survivable what they are is kind of like an assassin unit that that teleports in and does damage they do that with their dart pipe which is 16 inch range and two shots each so out of the unit you are going to end up with um you're going to end up with 10 shots they hunt three wound on three no rend damage one but they do have star venom which is any sixes to hit are going to cause a mortal wound that's what the star venom does um, which is pretty good. So you're going to do potentially two mortal wounds, but then uh, the addition, uh, like it, it's not in addition. So then just the damage step ends. Uh, they have perfect memory, mimicry, sorry, which is the unit is not visible to the enemy units that are more than 12 inches away or while it's in cover. Uh, so if you do put them in cover, you won't be able to see them all while 12 inches away, which is good because they're a very fragile unit, but their 16 inch blowpipes means that you're probably going to be close enough to be charged. So that's an issue. However, they maybe get around that 
with the Chameleon Ambush. They can be set up into Deep Strike, which is nice, but they also have this ability that at the end of the movement phase, you can take them back off the board, and then you can bring them back on the board in Deep Strike again at the end of the next movement phase. So you can kind of keep redeploying them off the board. For 90 points, they give you a good opportunity cost for a unit that can kind of snipe units in the backboard. But I don't see them being very uh, effective at doing so when you do it. Maybe if they'd have had three attacks, I'd have been a little bit more interested. But for me, I don't necessarily think I'd pick them up, but they're an interesting choice. For 90 points is the other version of the haunches of, uh, sorry, the hunters of haunchy. Um, they are 90 points for a unit of five. So they've got a couple of abilities, but most importantly, they have the same ambush mechanic as the other Haunters of Hanchi. So they can deep strike, and at the end of the movement phase, they get to move away, which is quite good. They have a five-up armor save versus a six-up armor save, which is nice, um, and they move eight inches, which is good. But if they deep strike in, that already, that already helps you out. But they're only a unit of five. They're also have the ability perfect mimicry which is this unit is not visible to enemy units that are more than 12 inches away while they're in cover uh oh sorry more than 12 inches away or while they're in cover which is good so they don't get shot but also they're a unit that want to charge which i think is interesting um but they do have an ability if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with their st uh, starstone bowlers uh which are eight inch range um, target the unit is the target unit is stunned until the end of the following combat phase. Subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by the unit uh, that is stunned. So you have an another ability, only ninety points, to stack into this kind of minus one to hit uh, situation where you can use the troglodon, you could do this, you could use the uh, star priest spell uh, to get loads of minus one to hits. Um, but uh, not bad, like very fragile. Probably not for me, but I definitely can see people using them. Definitely. So, the two new skink units that you get in the FOMO box. I know what you're asking yourself. Rob, should I pick up the FOMO box? Well, okay. Both of them are 150 points for units of five. And you've got the shooty ones and the fighty ones. And the raptodon hunters are the shooty ones. And the raptodon chargers are the fighty ones. And in my opinion, you just take the chargers. But we'll talk about why right now. So what happens? And they've got this kind of interesting synergy between themselves. So uh, they're two wounds each, so that's going to be a unit of five, so it's going to be ten wounds on a five-up armor save. And like I said, they're 150 points. They move 12 inches, which is nice and fast, but they are only bravery five, so they're going to run away real easy. Uh, they've got 12-inch range with their shooting attack. It's got two attacks, fours and fours, Ren 2 damage one. Now, the Ren 2 is super nice, and it is going to be 10 attacks from the unit, but fours and fours means that you're only going to get two and a half shots through. Uh, I know you can't get a half shot through, but that's roughly the math, right? Uh, which isn't actually that effective. Uh, the champion gets plus one attack characteristic on their shooting attack, so technically you get 11 shots. The standard bearer adds plus one to the bravery, which is good because they're only bravery five. And then the musician, uh, which adds one to the run and charge rolls for the unit. And the plus one uh, run and charge rolls is nice uh, in the right situation. Uh, then you've got deadly cohesion, and this is how they synergize with the other unit. And this is at the end of the charge phase, if this unit is born three inches from all enemy units within 12 inches of any friendly raptored on charges. So the other unit, not these guys, these guys are the hunters. Uh, then in they get to make a shooting uh, attack as long as they're not within three inches. So this is the situation. The Raptor hunters move up, they shoot a unit, they don't do any damage. Uh, but then the Raptor chargers charge in 
Um, and then that means that the Raptor Hunters get to make another shooting attack that doesn't do any damage, um, uh, which is kind of lame for 150 points in my personal reading of the war scroll however wrapped on charges it completely changes around which is really nice so there's same profile two wounds five up save 150 points move 12 inches but when they charge in it if a unit if one of the hunters units is shot you get plus one to hit on the lances now the problem with this is you only get plus one to hit on the lances and they only hit on fours already but if you give them all out attack, you get plus one to hit on the lances and plus one to hit on the serrated fangs attack, which is much more effective. And that means you could take two units of Raptor charges, which would be much more effective than taking the shooters, which don't do any damage. They also have this really cool ability called Geomantic Empowerment. The damage characteristic of this unit's Tepok lances is two. Normally it's one instead of one. If this unit is contesting an objective or if it's within three inches of any arcane scenery rules. Now... The arcane one's probably not going to happen, but contesting objectives is just going to be very, very positive. And these guys have got a phenomenal amount of attacks. Remember we talked about earlier with Skink Star Priest and wanting as many attacks as possible. Well, the Tepok Lance has got three attacks. That's going to be 15 from the unit, plus one from the champion, so 16. And then the Serrated Fangs from the mounts is another 15 attacks. So just a unit of five for 130 points is going to be 31 attacks and if we're giving them all out attack they're going to be hitting on threes and twos ren uh wound on threes rend one which is a bit of a shame that's not quite as good um and then they're going to be damage two on 15 of those attacks and damage one on the other but they're also going to be new mortals on sixes to wound thanks to skink star priest so i quite like this i think the rat on charges are better than shooters uh but you might be able to make them all work together so really good really really cool nice little units okay you're looking for some skinks and you're looking to fly in the sky well let me interest you in a pterodon chief and some pterodons now the pterodon chief is 110 points on six wounds with a six up save so not very survivable but he does have a 16 inch move which is pretty good he's pretty terrible in a fight i won't lie uh, but he does have an ability called deadly cargo which is if he moves or runs over a unit then on a four plus they take d3 mortal wounds he only does this once per battle, but if he does any mortal wounds to the enemy unit, then they move, they, they halve their move characteristic until your next hero phase, which is a legit ability. It's quite good. He's also got the coordinated attack ability, which is for the pterodon riders we're about to talk about, which is the same mortal wound ability, but he makes it so that they do mortal wounds on twos instead of fours. And again, he does that once per battle, which is pretty good. Um, and then we've got attack on high. Subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by missile weapons that target this unit. Uh, which maybe makes him a little bit more survivable, but probably not. Um, which is a bit weak. It feels like a one-use thing. Which for 110 points, you can't really get much cheaper to do a one-use thing. But... Is it really worth it when you can do multiple damage with things like Croak and other stuff? It's a great question. Now, the Pterodon Riders are a unit of three. They've got three wounds each, so that's nine wounds. And they're 120 points for that three. The maximum unit size you can have is six. Um, they've got a couple of different weapon options, but none of them have any rend. But you can get quite a lot of attacks, like the Razor Sharp Jaws on the Pterodons is four attacks each, so that's 12 attacks. But they're fours and fours, so that immediately drops to doing three wound rolls to your opponent and with no rend means you probably do almost no damage which is a bit of a shame 
Now, the one ability that they do have, which is really good, they also they have two abilities, actually. They have the minus one to be shot by missile weapons. But they've also got the deadly cargo ability, which is for every model in the unit, on a 4+, plus, the enemy unit takes D3 mortal wounds. If you've moved or ran across it, you do this once per battle. But the important part is you obviously can use the skink uh, priest, uh, sorry, skink uh, pterodon chief, to make it two pluses. So uh, math-wise, you're doing 5D3 mortal wounds, which is... 10 mortal wounds and you can do that by moving 16 or even running an additional six that's 22 inches which feels really legit but then you're spending 240 points to do that which doesn't sound like a lot but then you've got to take the skin chief so that's 110 points that's 350 points so is it worth it that's a great question i don't know uh it might be it might not be um, I think definitely fun in some solo games, but once they've dropped their cargo and their payload, they're worthless. So I'm not really sure, uh, to be honest. I'm going to go for no. I wouldn't pick any of these up if I were you. I would like to, them to be cooler, but okay. We haven't left the skies yet. We're still dealing with the Ripodactyl Chief and the Ripodactyl Riders. There are 110 points for the Ripodactyl Chief. They've got six wounds and a five-up save, and they move 12 inches. This is the Ripodactyl Chief, 110 points. He flies, obviously. Um, he has an ability where he's minus one to hit from shooting, and this is called Swooping Dive. And if uh, someone uses the Unleash Hell command ability against it, he only scores... Uh, sixes to they only score hits on sixes versus what they normally do uh, and this is also true for the ripodactyl the ripodactyls themselves um so that's quite a nice ability so you can charge stuff in which is good um he's also got the toad rage ability so there's the block toad and the toad rage ability effectively for every uh, ripodactyl chief in your army you can attach a block toad to an enemy unit and if you then attack them in close combat the toad rage ability kicks in all hail the blot toad and you get plus one to hit and wound um with the tearing jaws ability which on the ripodactyl chief is three attacks fours and threes so it go down to threes and twos rend one damage two which is not that much to sing about however once per battle uh the ripodactyl chief can call a ripodactyl assault and that's going to give plus one attack to all ripodactyl riders um, and their mounts while they're wholly within 12 inches. So let's talk about the Ripodactyl Riders. They come in units of three. They've got three wounds each, and they're 120 points. Um, they've got a five-up save, and they move 12 inches. So they're kind of fast, but they're not that fast. Um, they also get plus one to hit and wound if they fight a unit with the Blot Toad, uh, which is the, the good old uh, Toad Rage. And then Swooping Dive. Uh, by the way, one of my favorite minis is the Block Toad Marker. There's a little designer's note on it, but it's just a little frog you put near a unit. And while I think this unit isn't very good in the game, it's one of my favorite things um, uh, to just put on the board. Um, however, they've got the Swooping Dive ability, which is the minus one to be hit from shooting, and also only sixes will proc against them in the Unleash Hell Command ability. Um, what's their melee profile like though for 120 points for three well they got three attacks fours threes rend one damage two which is kind of okay if they're fighting a toad unit it's going to be twos uh, sorry it's going to be hitting on threes wounding on twos rend one damage two the rend one's the major issue we know if we were to take uh, a spawner chotek uh, we'd be able to make that so they've got minus one save so they could be at rend two damage too but they just don't have enough attacks and because they've only got one inch range on their tearing jaws if you were to 
reinforce them to a unit six then you wouldn't be able to fight with all of those units because they wouldn't be able to reach over uh, because their bases are too big to reach over and attack so unfortunately these are also a miss for me i don't see them being as effective um uh, as the Ratdon riders or anything like that so just not for me okay we're on to some saurus now some big meaty muscular saurus Saurus Old Blood is 285 points. He's obviously a leader. He's also obviously a monster. If you did want to take him in the Coalesce sub faction, you would be able to do that monstrous action uh, unique to him. So eating a unit or eating a model out if you roll above its wounds characteristic. He's got 15 wounds and a 4 up save. Also, if you're in Coalesce, you'd obviously be minus one to uh, minus one damage, which is pretty good. Uh, 15 wounds, 4 up save, but moves only 10 inches, so not that fast unfortunately but does have the source keyword uh so that's nice all the buffs that apply there um has got a bunch of different weapon profiles but i guess the main one you want to talk about is the three massive jaw attacks they um uh they're damage five and rend two which is honestly quite legit um, especially for the points value that you get at 285 points my main issue with the source old blood is that if you're going to take uh, a source old blood you're going to stack a command trait uh, an artifact and a bunch of other abilities on it to make it a little bit more fighty what i really would have liked to seen from a source old blood miniature or rule set sorry is i would have liked to have seen them just be given the damage output of something like a frost lord and stonehorn and made as effective while 15 wounds on a four up save is really great he doesn't have a ward save in his war scroll either and so i'm not trying to be down on this mini or the scarvet which is the same but they're cheap, which is good, but they're bad because they're cheap. They're points costed pretty much at the right point for what they do, but what they do is just kind of okay uh, and not really worth it, in my opinion. They do have some special abilities, though, um, which is Blood Frenzy. If any enemy models are slain by wounds caused by this unit's attacks, for the rest of the battle, this unit uh, is Blood Frenzied, and you add one to wound rolls for attacks made by this unit's mount while it's Blood Frenzied, which is kind of okay uh terror so you can't use inspiring presence while within three inches which is a nice ability to have and then this unit can issue the same command up to two times thanks to being an ancient warlord in the same phase which is useful if you want to do uh a couple of rallies or a couple of all-out attacks i guess um but i personally wouldn't spend 285 points for that uh, ability i would just be better on the tabletop <laughs> than use that i know that sounds like uh, over the top but it's just how i feel um but like it's there like and i'm not saying it's i'm not saying it's bad it's completely good for its points cost of 285 points as a melee character which is what it is a melee monster but i would have liked to have seen it cost more and do more damage and that's also true uh, for the Saurus Scarvet, which has got 15 wounds with a 4-up save, also on Carnosaur. It's also got Blood Frenzy, which we just spoke about. Also got Terror, which we just spoke about. And it's got an especially ability called Maim and Tear. At the end of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll a number of dice equal to the number of wounds allocated to that enemy unit. For each 5+, the unit suffers an additional mortal wound, right? So, pretty solid. Pretty solid. Um, you just get to do some extra damage. Uh, everyone in the chat wants me to point out, and I think it's quite fair to point out, the Ancient Warlord, uh, so being able to do two command abilities, uh, is quite nice for double all-out attack, especially if you are going for, like, multiple small unit or MSU um, uh, Saurus hosts. Seems quite good, because, as we know, when they charge, they get plus one to wound, so also giving them plus one to hit, or at least two units plus one to hit, also feels pretty legit as well. Um, so... 
overall, like, not bad. I'm not saying they're bad. Like, what I'm saying is I would have liked to have seen more expensive, more effective units, which is kind of what I think a dinosaur riding a dinosaur should be. I want to be terrified of a carnosaur, not just kind of like, it's kind of okay. Like, I don't want its best ability to be being able to do two command abilities. I want it to be like, it's going to rip stuff apart, which it could do, potentially, uh, with its massive jaws. Anyway. Those are the those are the those are the carnosaurs. Okay, we're gonna look at some Saurus heroes now. The other guys are kind of like Saurus not heroes. These are Saurus heroes. The Saurus Old Blood on foot is 135 points and is, in my opinion, legit. Especially if you're taking loads of Saurus when you go Cottle's Claw, when you go Coalesced. So he's got seven wounds with three up armor save, but only moves five inches, but it's kind of okay. Now, he's pretty good in a fight. Five attacks, threes, threes, Ren 1 damage, two. Ren 1's lame, but whatever. And he's got a couple of abilities. Because now we're talking about Saurus on foot. I know it was ages ago we talked about this, but don't forget, Saurus have got a jaw ability, the mighty Saurus jaws, and at the end of combat, they are going to... Um, well, not the end of combat, but each time this unit fights after all of its attacks have been resolved, you get to pick one enemy within one inch of this unit and roll three dice. These dice rolls are referred to as bite rolls. For each bite roll of a six, the enemy suffers a mortal wound. But don't forget, it could be fives when we go into the Coalesce sub-faction, and it could be fours if we're fighting near our Realm Shaper engine, which is pretty nice. Um, so there's some nice combat there, but he's a support piece. That's what he's really doing, which is Predatory Exemplar and Wrath of the Seraphon. Predatory Exemplar is just something we see a lot. It's just you gets to fight at the same time as a unit of Warriors or Saurus Guard in the combat phase. Ignore that. It's kind of okay, but whatever. The important one is Wrath of the Seraphon. In the combat phase, if this unit issues all-out attack command to friendly Saurus Warriors or Saurus Guard, then they get plus one to wound in addition to the plus one to hit. Uh, until the end of that phase now that's really nice because you don't necessarily have like massive punch power with units of saurus warriors or saurus guard and instead that getting that additional plus one to wound in ongoing combats where you're not constantly charging is really really nice it's a great command well it's not even a command ability uh it's just um well it, it you do the all-out attack so it is a command ability but like it's an addition to the command ability so for 135 points that's really nice I really like that. I think that's really good. The Saurus Astroloth Banner Bearer is 140 points and pretty much just get one. Go buy one. Buy two. You don't need to. It's useless. But just in case someone takes your first one. Six rooms with a four-up armor save. So he's kind of okay for a foot hero. And he's cheap enough uh, that he's fine. He moves five inches and he's okay in a fight. But that's not his job as well. Like for a foot hero. What he does is he's a celestial conduit. Add one to casting rolls for friendly Seraphon wizards within 12 inches of any friendly units with this ability. And that's all Seraphon wizards, which is crazy. And then he adds six inches to the range of any spells cast by friendly Seraphon wizards within 12 inches. So all your spells are plus one to cast and they've got an additional six inch range. That's not where it, it doesn't end there. He's also got the Revifying Energies ability, which is friendly Seraphon units have a ward save of six, of six while within 12 inches, which is great. And as we know, if you go into Starborn, then you can make it so that that becomes a five up ward save, which is incredibly good. Yeah, this, there's, just, there's just no reason that you're not going to take this unless you're not taking a spellcasting Seraphon army. And probably the reason you're doing that is you don't want to win any games. Um, and so just great. He's also got the Saurus Jaws ability. So he does some mortal wounds after he's fought in combat. So just go buy one. Just 
like go buy one that's it okay so now we're going to talk about some of the new units they look pretty cool they're dinosaurs riding dinosaurs saurus scar veteran on agradon eight wounds four up save moves eight inches and there's 175 points you can either take the celestite spear or celestite club so don't forget if you are playing in coalesce you have got a spell that can make it so that you add additional rend so his celestite spear for example can be four attacks three threes rend three damage too so it's pretty fighty and then he's got the rending bites and striking talons of his mount, the Agrodon, which is three attacks, three threes, rend two damage two, which is an okay profile as well. But there is a way to take that up to six attacks. Well, actually, technically, if you take one of the command traits uh, on the slan, also in Coalesced, it could be up to seven attacks, which is quite interesting. But we'll talk about that now. They... And that's all because of the Primal Rage ability, which is effectively a counter. The longer you're in combat, the higher your rage amount. And the higher your rage amount, the more attacks you add to the Rending Bites and Striking Talons. Okay, so, and up to a maximum of three. So that's three attacks with an additional plus three that you can add. The weird thing about this, and they are Rend 2 and also damage too, so it's quite a lot of attacks. But the weird thing about this, in my personal opinion, is a cavalry unit that charges in and then wants to get stuck in cavalry in combat. He's only got four up armor save, he doesn't have a ward save, and has only got eight wounds. So it feels odd to put him in there. Now he's also got an alpha roar ability, which is once per battle at the start of your combat phase, you can pick one friendly unit with this ability on the battlefield to unleash a feral roar. If you do so, you increase the range score of friendly Agrodon units holding within 18 inches of that unit by one to a maximum of th uh, three. Sorry, the rage, the rage raw score, not the whatever I said score, the rage score, which moves us on to the Agrodons. Now, the Agrodon Lancers are 210 points for a unit of three. They have a five up armor save and a four, uh, sorry, a four up armor save with five wounds each. So you're going to get 15 wounds out of this unit for 210 points, which is pretty decent. And they move eight inches, which isn't super fast. But they are bravery eight, which is nice. Okay. So they also have a Celestite Spear or Celestite Club. So you could use the spell if you want to, uh, to add the additional rend on. We already know that you can move in the hero phase. Um, using one of the abilities in Coalesced, or one of the command traits in Coalesced, you can move in the hero phase and then move again. So they could be moving 16 inches. You can cast a spell on them for run and charge. You can make the slam, make them fly. So you can have flying missile dinosaur riders. And when they get there, they'll do some okay damage. Like we've said before, the Celestite Spears are going to be three attacks at Ren 2 damage 1. Uh, and the Rending Bites and Striking Talons are three attacks each, so nine for the unit. Threes and threes, rend two, damage two. Uh, rend, uh, so it will be, be wound on twos on the charge. Uh, so they're not bad. They're not bad at all. Uh, and they've also got the primal rage ability. So the longer they're in the fight, the more output they're going to get, which is pretty good. We know you can give them a five-up ward save, either from the banner or from uh, the two-plus ability from the Skink Star Priest, um, which is pretty nice. Or the Skink Star Seer, sorry. So that's pretty good. So you can make them survivable, and you can make them do output. My big problem with them is because they're a unit of three, then uh, when you take them up to a unit of six, you then have to adhere to adherency, <laughs> coherency. You have to adhere to coherency. Uh, and so it's going to be more difficult to arrange all of the attacks with only one inch range on the rending bites. It also requires you to stay in combat to get more attacks. And that means you're probably going to be losing models. So it feels a little bit ineffective. They're a weird cavalry unit that wants to get in there and then it wants to fight. Um, 
And would I decide to take a Source Scarvet on Agrodon to buff the Agrodon Lancers? I probably wouldn't, because the once per game ability to have one additional attack doesn't seem anywhere near as effective as just spending a couple more points and getting another unit of Agrodon Lancers, in my opinion. So I quite like them. I think they're quite good. Um... Uh, which is quite interesting you could you can just pin them we've talked about earlier in the show we talked about a pin list we talked about taking a bunch of these moving them in the hero phase moving the movement phase charging then using the spell on the troglodon to make it so that units can't move out from terrain pieces uh, so that's not bad but they aren't crazy survivable i mean you would have to run up minus one to hit bubbles from troglodons or cast spells you would have to put five at ward saves on them um cast mystic shield all out defense there's a lot of stuff you're going to have to do to stack on top of these units to just make these units just okay in my opinion so i'd be interested to know what you think on this one so please do let me know in the comment 200 points for 10 saurus warriors i like these i think these are good two wounds a piece so that's going to be 20 wounds on a four up armor save right you're like oh that's quite expensive 200 points for 20 wounds on a four up armor save but they're pretty good in my personal opinion you can either take them with the celestite spears which is a two inch range so if you were taking more than 10 and you want to fight from two ranks then maybe you would get yourself a good old uh celestite spear but unfortunately they hit on fours wound on threes rend one damage one if you go for the clubs instead shorter range but uh you get you hit on threes wound on threes rend one damage one don't forget that and they're two attacks each if you take them in Cottle's Claw, they're going to be wounding on twos on the charge, or you could use the Old Blood on foot to give them plus one to wound, and with an all-out attack, you are going to be twos and twos. Cast a spell, twos and twos, Ren two, which is pretty nice. Do a stream of fire from a Chotek, twos and twos, Ren three, damage one, which isn't too bad. Problem is survivability, and their War Scroll covers that a little bit. They've got add one to save rolls for attacks that target this unit, if it's contesting any objectives, or if it's wholly within your territory. So that means it's going to have a three-up armor save. We know we can get minuses to hit, and we know that we can get five-up ward saves. So overall, pretty nice. Oh, and finally, the Saurus Jaws ability. I didn't talk about that. This is probably where you get the most mortal wounds. This is where you roll a dice for each model in your unit, and on a four-plus, if they're within an inch of an enemy unit, so each model in your unit has to be within an inch so as long as all 10 models are within an inch of another enemy unit model then on a four up oh no sorry on a six up they'll take a mortal wound you roll 10 dice for your unit of 10 and on sixes they'll take a mortal wound however if you take them in coalesced it's going to be on fives if you're near your realm shaper engine it's going to be on fours which is pretty good if only there was something you could put in your army near your realm shaper engine that your opponent was desperate to charge and fight I don't know, like a magical frog who's doing magical damage at range. Who knows, right? Who who knows? Something like that would be really good. I don't know. I don't know why. I really like the Saurus. We did the math on this earlier. Uh, we looked at the Croxagores, which we haven't talked about yet. Um, uh, we talked about the Croxagores. We talked about uh, the Saurus, and we talked about the Lancers. The Lancers definitely do. Uh, it looks like they do more damage, but the Lancers don't take into account the fact that you do mortal wounds from the Jaws attacks after. So uh, the Lancers are actually doing 14 damage and the Saurus are doing 11 and a half. But they'll always add three mortal wounds on from the Jaws attacks. This is just from a unit of 10 versus three Lancers. So actually, you end up with 14 damage equal 
um, with the Saurus to the Lancers. So they basically do the same damage. And the reason that that's actually uh, pretty important is that you get more wounds from the Saurus on a better save with better recursion because your rally is better. Um, not It's not higher than a six. You just get more opportunities to roll it because more have died. Um, so I think that's quite good. I quite like the Saurus Warriors myself, personally. Um, I think that they're pretty decent, but I'm interested to know what you all think. Saurus Guard are 130 points for five models. They've got two wounds each and a three-up armor save, so slightly better than the Saurus Warriors, which is really nice, especially if you save stack with Mystic Shield, all-out defense, or cover, so they could be very survivable. Uh, they get plus one to charge from their Musician, uh, which is really nice, and plus one to run rolls, and they get plus one Bravery, taking them up to Bravery 10. 130 points for five for 10 wounds, or if you reinforce them, it's going to be, to make it comparable with Saurus Warriors, it's 260 points for a unit of 10. For that, you basically just get plus one save. Uh, you don't get any better profile for the melee weapon, apart from its two-inch range. Um, two attacks, three threes, rend one, damage one, but it is a Celestine weapon, so you can add plus one rend to it, which is quite nice. And then they have the Selfless Protectors rule, which is effectively a bodyguard rule for unit for heroes that are not a monster. Now, Saurus Guard are really good because what you really want to do with Saurus Guard is you want to use them near your Slan, your Croak, and your other heroes because they're just going to tank those wounds for them pass the wounds off um you can read the rule there and how it works but they're effectively going to save uh, those very very valuable units um and also maybe fight a little bit when people get near them so source guard are very like situational in some ways because you got to ask yourself do i actually think i'm going to lose my croak or my slan to the enemy units and if they are going to get you then you take some source guard if they're not and you feel a bit like you want to risk it. You want to run the gauntlet. You're like, I don't care. No one's going to get near them. Then you maybe you don't take the Saurus Guard, which is quite cool. But they're a good unit in of themselves. But you take them to Bodyguard unit. For uh, 185 points, you can get yourself some Croxigor Warspawned. Or 175 points Swive. Swive points? You can get some Croxigor. More like Croxif 4. <laughs> if, you, if you take the Cottle's Claw sub-faction then you get to have these guys as battle line if you want. So you can have up to units of nine because each of the Croxagore units come in units of three. Um, and what do they do? They have the same profile though. Move five inches, four wounds, four up armor save, bravery seven. So both of them have it. And what's the difference between them two? Well, they're melee units. Simple. They fight well. Do they fight as well as the Agrodon riders? Not quite. Can you buff them higher? Kind of. Let's talk, let's talk about it. So they have Skink Guidance, which is an ability, which is the unit champion uh, of Skink units can issue commands to this unit if this unit is wholly within 12 inches of a Skink unit. So if you run these guys along with some Skinks, then they can issue commands to them, which is kind of cool. Like they're like egg on their big brothers. They've got heavy scaled skin. This is on the Warspawned one specifically, which is subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target this unit. That's really nice, especially as we also know that you can also have minus one to this, uh, minus one damage to this unit as well when you're in coalesced. So minus one to wound, minus one damage. You can also make it so the units that target them make them minus one to hit. So they can be quite survivable, which I think is really, really important. Um, like to know, we're going to be talking about these now and you're going to see 12 wounds because it's a unit of three with four wounds each be really nice if there were five because then they could count as two on an objective but 
the unit of uh, three is like, oh, it's not survivable. And it probably isn't that survivable in the Starborn. But in Coalesced, that minus one damage is going to be super important. And then the minus one on the War Scroll to Wound is also good. So you're going to be a little bit more a uh, little bit more punchy. Then you've got Spawner Sotek. Add one to the attack characteristic of this unit's melee weapons. If any models in a friendly skink unit wholly within 12 inches unit have been slain in this phase, which I love because they get the slayer skink near it and they're like no but it happens to be in that phase which means these guys get to strike after now there obviously are ways with the stegodon monstrous action to make units strike last get a bit of croak in there uh make units strike last is quite fun but that means these strike before then so then you wouldn't get the plus one i don't know when the activation happens other than you build a screen of skinks um, so they're just uh, less than three inches in front of your Croxagore. The unit, uh, enemy charges them, and then you pile in with your Croxagore, having freshly acquired a plus one to attack. That's a kind of nice way of doing that combo. And what do those tax, attacks do? Well, if you're taking only a unit of three, two of the models have got three attacks, fours and threes, rend two, damage two, and then one of the unit, one of the models in there have a war pick, uh, and that's three attacks, threes and threes, ren two, damage three. That's not a bad profile. Unfortunately, some of the attacks, or over a third of the attacks, are going to be hitting on fours. Because while you can give plus one to hit, you can't, like, you, there's lots and lots of armies that are also going to give you minus one to hit. So hitting on fours is just atrocious for a melee unit. You're, like, and they also don't have a fight twice ability like you would see on something like Chosen or Iron Guts. And Iron Guts are kind of in a similar, similar position to this, but they start hitting on threes, which I think is the important part to talk about. So they're all right, and you can stack some abilities on them to make them better. But as frontline battle troops, I'm not certain at the moment and then talking about croxagore themselves who actually do more output than the war spawned um they've got a couple of other abilities uh they get to get issued abilities by uh, skinks uh, as well thanks to skink guidance they have sweeping blows which is if the unmodified hit roll with a drake bite maul uh is a six and the entire the attack target <laughs> the unit it's targeting has got 10 or more models then uh, you score two hits on the target instead of one. Um, so they get exploding sixes, but only on units with 10 or more models. So not a huge fan of that. Like, that's kind of okay, but it's also kind of lame. So like, and you will forget that 100% of the time, in my opinion. Uh, and then you've got the Vice Light Jaws ability. And that's the kind of thing that ticks over the damage for both of these two units. Which is, after each time this unit fights, after all of its attacks have been resolved, pick one enemy within range, uh, within one inch of these models, and you roll three dice. So your unit of three is going to get to roll three dice per model, so it's going to be nine dice. Any sixes or a mortal wound. If you're in coalesced, it's going to be any fives or a mortal wound, uh, which already means you're going to do three mortal wounds, which is quite nice. Um, or, if you're near your realm shaper, it's going to be fours. So you're going to do four to five mortal wounds from unit three, which is not nothing in each combat phase but these boys have to stay alive you don't necessarily have lots of healing in this book you don't have lots of rallies in this book so they're a unit that really survives on its own and its own abilities obviously the minus one damage is going to be quite useful but i'm not sure if they do enough damage to really be worth it so they're iron guts that are minus one damage um and they do some mortals after combat i wonder what everyone else thinks about these these are ones that I'm not really convinced about, but here we go. The Stegodon is 300 points. It's a monster. 
And if you do take in the Thunder Lizard sub-faction, it is going to be Battle Line, which is cool. You can have three of them. You can't reinforce them, so you can't have multiple Stegodons in a unit. But thankfully, you're not going to want any of them, which is a positive, I guess. They're 14 wounds with a four-up armor save, which is kind of okay. They have the Sky Street Bow. We talked about this earlier when we talked about the Skink Chief on Stegodon. 24-inch range, three shots that are damage three. So if you were to take three Stegodons at 300 points, it's 900 points for your battle line. Um, and they're going to do nine shots that are damage three. However, there are Alapexes out there in the world, and they do four shots that are damage D3 at 24 inches, and you can have tons of them, and their win rate is pretty much in the toilet. I would compare the Stegodon exactly to Stonehorn Beast Riders from uh, the Ogre Moor Tribes. They've even got this ability called the Skink War Party, which this unit counts as 10, models uh, for the purposes of contesting objectives they also get to add plus one to their save thanks to the armored crest if models with five or less uh, sorry units with five or less models attack them which is quite good uh, because they've got that four up save but they don't have a ward save they do mortal wounds on the charge uh, which we talked about before with the skink chief they've got the sunfire throater as well and they add plus three to the bravery of skinks around them but they don't do mortal wounds on the charge like a stonehorn they don't have a five up ward save like stonehorns are uh, stonehorns um, and they're not too dissimilarly priced. Stonehorns, the reason I mention it is because they actually win tournaments having a bunch of Stonehorn Beast Riders, not the Frostlord and Stonehorn. I'm not comparing them, um, but they're not quite the same. And in a book where there's loads of overlapping abilities, you don't actually have a lot of benefits to running monsters in this army versus a couple of like fringe cases. And everything really seems geared towards... Uh, Croxagore, Saurus, and some skink keywords. So I probably wouldn't take um, a Stegodon at all, but I'd love to see you run some, have some fun, run some monster trucks, fire all your Sky Street bows and do some charges and have a great time. For 300 points, you can get Engine of the Guards. Well, this thing has had War Scrolls change over the years and it is an incredibly weird piece, but very fun. 300 points. Let's talk about it. What is it? It's like a support melee unit. It's so weird. Right, it's got 14 wounds with a 4-up save, and it has some Stegodon-style combat profile. Don't need to go into it in too much detail, but it's kind of okay. It's got the plus 1 save against units with 5 or less models, the Armoured Crest ability. Uh, the main thing we're going to be talking about, though, is... Oh, it also does mortal wounds on the charge with the unstoppable stampede. It also adds plus three to the bravery of skink units around it. The important part here is the cosmic engine. Yeah, right? This is this is every, every person you've ever known who's been into stars, right? Very Libra of you. What does this do? In your shooting phase, you can say that this unit will either harness or reserve the power of the cosmic engine. If you say that it will harness the power, pick one of the effects below and generate the power by rolling 2d6. If you say it will reserve the power, then you can roll one additional dice the next turn. So turn one, I can roll 2d6. Turn two, if I don't roll any dice, I can roll 3d6. Turn three, I can roll um, 4d6. Super simple. If I roll, like, anyway, you, you can work it out from there. It's pretty easy, okay? Can you save multiple dice on multiple Stegodons? The answer is yes. So, for example, sorry, not Stegodons, on Engine of the Gods. So I could have two Engine of the Gods, and I can elect not to do any abilities on turn one, and they could both save a dice, which is pretty cool. Okay, 
then what do they get to pick? Then you pick an effect and then you roll to see if it works. So the first one is healing light. On a two to six, nothing happens. Uh, on a seven plus, you heal D3 wounds allocated to each friendly Seraphon unit wholly within six inches. Now, this is kind of okay, kind of okay. But the real problem here is that it's wholly within six inches, so they have to be close to the Stegodon, which is all right. Bolts of Azure Energy, which is uh, on a two to eight, this unit suffers one mortal wound. On a score of a nine, however, you pick one enemy unit within 24 inches of this unit and visible to it. Roll a number of dice equal to the power score. So if you rolled, I don't know, a 12. Uh, for each four plus, the enemy suffers a mortal wound. Now, this is quite fun. The idea of saving up till turn five, where you'll be rolling 66 um, and just yeeting a ton of mortal wounds. But at that point, you've literally done nothing with it. Although it is still a combat monster, so it is going to fight stuff. Time slows is the next ability, which on a 2 to 10, this unit itself suffers D3 mortal wounds. However, if you roll 11 or more until the end of the turn, the strike first effect applies to friendly Seraphon units wholly within 6 inches of this model. Again, it's wholly within 6 inches. Strike first, it's pretty, it's, it, which is a good ability, but I'm going for no, so we're going to move on. Starlight summons. Uh, on a power score of 2 to 12, this unit suffers 3 mortal wounds. So you're going to need a lot of dice to make sure this goes off. 3 dice when you roll it has a statistical average of 10.5. So we roll that up to an 11. So you aren't, on average, going to do this with 3 dice. So you're going to have to maybe wait till turn 3 to do this. On a power, But on a 13 plus, you can summon 1 Saurus Warrior unit of 10 models or 1 Skink Cohort of 20 models to the battlefield. The summoned unit must be set up wholly within 6 inches of this unit and more than 9 inches from all enemy units, which is crazy. Let's absolutely go. 20, 10 Saurus Warriors. So now we're just going to take 3 Engine of the Gods for 900 points. And then at turn 4, we're going to summon... 600 points worth of uh, Soros Warriors. But there's a problem with that. Uh, we would have lost the game. <laughs> so the Engine of the Gods is a really interesting piece. It's a buff piece. Uh, it does some interesting stuff. It's got a really fun, gnarly mechanic. Are you ever going to take one? Probably not, but it's pretty interesting and you can do some really fun stuff with it. And doing fun stuff in a game is literally why we all play. So there you go. As it's important that I go through all of the units in this book. I think it's important to mention the Terror Wings exist and they're a unit of three for 75 points, but just don't get them is my TLDR. Um, unless you like the models, in which case you're a weirdo. That's, 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 that's the Terror Wing section of the review. Oh my God. Do you love turtles as much as I love turtles? Welcome to the Bastillodon. There are two Bastillodons. There's a Bastillodon with a solar engine, which is a shooting gun platform tank tortoise. Or there's the Bastillodon with the Arcosotec, which is like drowning someone in snakes, right? There's loads of bonuses from how the Bastillodon used to be versus how it is now. Um, it, it used to be maybe better, but it's definitely not bad now, which is amazing. It doesn't bracket, and it's a monster, and those things are good. That means that its 12 wounds on a two-up armor save are going to maintain that two-up armor save for the entire time. So both versions of the Bastillodon are incredibly survivable. Two up armor save, uh, 12 wounds, and could be near an Ashtoreth Banner Bearer, obviously for a six up or five up ward save. So what do they do? Well, if you're going to go for the solar engine, which is the shooting version, which is the way more expensive version, it's 265 points. It shoots 24 inches and it moves five for an effective 29 inches. And it's got three attacks, hit on threes, wound on threes, rend three, damage three. And then... 
it feels only right to take three of them then it's all threes you never have to ask yourself any questions threes 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 <laughs> no it's potentially nine damage at 29 inches which is okay the problem is it's just okay but that's great because previously it was stupid you used to be able to shoot twice it had more attacks this shoots more effectively it hits on a three now which is quite nice um so it can't shoot twice now which is a massive positive for the game because it's pointed fairly reasonably in my opinion for 265 points it's got an okay combat profile with three attacks doing d3 damage so it's a tank that can get into a fight and it can shoot at range which is legitimately a threat at ren 3 legitimately a threat for many big miniatures or strong units in the game however however the arc of sotek version which is the melee version which has the same combat profile uh, for the bludgeoning tail has a different ability called the arc of sotek which has 20 attacks until it's wounded uh well until it's dead so even it didn't bracket it used to bracket so it doesn't bracket now so it's just 20 attacks all the time and there's only 200 points for the arc of sotek version right so this is fours and threes no ren damage one which sounds rubbish i know but it does sixes uh on so it does mortal wounds on sixes to hit and you got 20 dice so you're going to do three mortal wounds in combat now that isn't a lot and you might roll loads more sixes which is really really good however the really awesome thing is if you take four is this something i suggest you do absolutely not but is it cool yes you take them in coalesced don't forget as well if you take them in coalesced they're also going to be minus one damage to a minimum of one so even if you hit them with a damage two weapon they're still just going to be minus one damage so you can make these guys very survivable anyway back to having four turtles because it's cool you have four of them you charge them in it's going to be 80 attacks eight zero with any sixes to hit doing mortal wounds that's something like 18 mortal wounds that you're going to be doing to the enemy which is really cool it is 800 points which is crazy now if you really want to stack it up you take the skink star priest and you make it so they do sixes to wound do a mortal wound as well for skink star priests you could use them like little pet handlers behind six four sorry four skink star priests behind four uh is this a good list absolutely not is it a great list absolutely yes right fantastic the bacillodons i think some people are going to be upset about them yeah yeah the shit ton of snakes build a classic build yeah a classic list and i would encourage you to try it out because it's very cool um those are the bacillodons i would rate them as a yes fun not necessarily top end but fun which is cool finally how to win with seraphon well they have their own grand strategies which you write on your army list and battle tactics which you do in the game to score points let's talk about them the grand strategies you have realm shaper guardians which is when the battle ends you complete this grand strategy if you have a coalesced realm shaper engine or starborn realm shaper engine on the battlefield and there are no enemy models within 12 inches and it's not affected uh by successful smash to rubble so basically just keep your realm shaper alive which is pretty nice uh, and there are no enemy models within range okay like, probably not, because that's quite risky, but I guess if you've got little wizards nearby, maybe. You've got repel corruption when the battle ends, you complete the grand strategy if there are no enemy units within your territory. You can't guarantee that, so don't pick that. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if at least one friendly Seraphon unit holding within each large quarter of the battlefield. This is actually quite cool, because you can just put one model right in the middle, 
uh, and that will be for all four. So that seems like a good one. The final one is further the great plan. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If you completed four or more battle tactics, and each of those battle tactics were made from the March of the Seraphon host table below. So let's go and look at those, shall we? The battle tactics from March of the Seraphon host. Um, uh, so uh, pick three different friendly Seraphon monsters. You complete this tactic. Uh, if each of those units runs in the following movement phase and finishes that run within six inches of at least one uh, other uh, one other unit you picked and wholly within enemy territory. So this is if you can take loads of monsters. I don't encourage you to do that uh, <laughs> in this game. Oh, unless you're taking four Basilodons. Yeah. Celestial Obliteration. Pick one enemy unit on the battlefield. You complete this tactic if that unit is destroyed this turn by mortal wounds caused by spells or abilities of an endless spell. You're probably going to pick that because you're going to cast a bunch of spells. Uh, but it has to be endless spells. Okay. Uh, but I think you can make that happen. Uh, overwhelming Numbers. Pick one objective controlled by the enemy. You complete this tactic at the end of the turn if you control that objective and all friendly units contesting it have the skink keyword. This is very good if you're taking Starborn and you want to have a bunch of skinks running around. Apex Predator, pick one enemy monster. You complete this tactic. If that at the end of this turn, that enemy unit was destroyed by an attack made by friendly Seraphon monster. Again, you've got to take monsters here. So that's how you're going to score points by running monsters, but the monsters feel like the weaker part of the book. Cold-Blooded Resilience, pick one friendly Saurus or Croxigore unit within three inches of an enemy unit. Complete this tactic at the end of this turn. If that unit was not destroyed, did not retreat, and was not removed from the battlefield. So they can't retreat in your turn, which is pretty nice. Um, that's good. Not destroying them is a bit of an issue, in my opinion. Uh, so that's going to be one of those situations where you end up in a long, protracted fight. But you get to choose those, which is quite nice. And then finally, Pack Hunters, pick one enemy unit within three inches and only one uh, friendly Agrodon unit. You complete this tactic if, at the end of the turn, that unit is within three inches of two or more friendly Agrodon units. So this is kind of a weird mix of battle tactics. They want you to take monsters, they want you to take skinks, they want you to take Croxagore, and, uh, or Croxagorosaurus, or they want you to take Agrodons, and you can't mix and match. It's a bit like the Stormcast Eternal ones, where they very much focus on dragons and not the other portion of your army. So it feels like some of these won't be available to you, which is pretty tough. But I don't think that's overly going to matter because you're just literally going to nuke the entire um, enemy off the board with Croak and some of his spells, which is pretty fun. And I guess you could summon these, actually, thinking about it. If you're running Starborn, you can summon all of these units on the board, right? Um <laughs> you can uh, you can summon all these units so you could maybe do those tactics by just summoning the units to do the tactics pretty interesting right if i was going to go play seraphon this is something i've not put in previous videos so i'm going to put in this video now if i was going to go get seraphon this week what would i go and pick up and why this is one of those things okay i think looking at it i really want to run saurus i think they're really cool maybe a old blood on foot i think i could do some really fun stuff with that and it'd be quite engaging um i think that's really good and i think uh, definitely the skink star seer is very good because he turns off wards i definitely go for that skink star priest as well to make it so that they do more which is really really fun but ultimately when you look at it there's so much raw output that comes from croak who's incredibly cheap or comes from uh, the slan as well and all that combination that it's really tough not to immediately want to move towards that 
So they feel like they're on the list as well. It is a book of two halves. It's written like a book of two halves. But you read the Coalesce stuff and you think, wow, that's really cool. I really like that. That's fun. All the Saurus, all that interaction. That's There's a lot happening there. But then you're just going to watch someone with a couple of frogs blasting people off the board. And that's going to be very, very fun as well. So... Um, and, and some of the new units are really fun. They're quite interesting. Like, I would maybe pick up a couple of Spawn of Chotek and run them with some Saurus because of the minor saves and then do some additional rend. I think that's fun. That's quite engaging. You could do some fun stuff uh, with that portion. But it, for me, I'd start with Croak. I'd get a Slan. I'd get a Starseer. Um, sorry, a, a Star the Starseer, yeah. I'd get a Star Priest as well, probably, which is a bunch of characters. Um, I would pick up... Uh, then I would pick up some skinks, uh, and I would pick up, I would maybe pick up some, I think Saurus are so unique, I think Saurus I'd put in with Saurus, uh, so I would maybe pick up some Saurus if I was planning on going that way, um, and I quite like the idea of running the very, very cheap uh, Rapdon Riders, or the new skink cavalry, I'd run the skink cavalry, and I'd run them with skink priests, because they're quite fun, and they do a lot of attacks, which is pretty fun, yeah, the Rapdon charges are very good, those are the ones, so I think that they're quite a fun thing to pick up, and they are in the launch box, you get this, you get the Sarah, the Slan in the launch box, and you also get the Rapdon Riders in the launch box, so I think I'd pick those up as well, um, so that's what I'd go for, so that's, those are the, those are the combos, um, and those are the units I pick up. Other than that, I really hope you've enjoyed the video. I hope you've enjoyed watching it. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as a podcast, if you listen to it as a podcast. Um, and I want to thank the Twitch chat for being here for this uh, eight and a half hour stream. Oh, yes. Sorry. Good point. We should definitely get the Astroth Banner Bearer. Auto buy. <laughs> the Astroth Banner Bearer is an auto buy. The terrain feature, Astroth Banner Bearer, Croak, Slan, Skink on a Chair those are your autos get some wrapped on riders right uh which i think is going in the launch box you do not build each of the wrapped ons in my opinion you build just the wrapped on charges so i hope that answers that question uh and the yeah so the launch box will be good which is nice um yeah if you've enjoyed the show then uh then you can always support the show by joining our patreon the honest wargamer uh subscribing on twitch or generally just letting people know that there's video which i hope is good simply put uh thanks very much for listening hope you have a really lovely day hope you really enjoy your uh, your new armies uh, uh and enjoy seraphon uh and uh, don't listen to the haters ciao for now